There are certain moments and words that shaped a new era in pro wrestling. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Brett screwed Brett. Die, Rocky, die. Suck it! Introducing the Book of Wrestling, 25 catchphrases that explain the Attitude Era. Tune in as we relive one of the most exciting, intense, and over-the-top times in WWE. With new interviews, with the voices that made the promos, calls, and catchphrases into history. Listen now. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Monopoly Go. It's halftime and the scoreboard's not looking good. You're not sure you can pull out a win? That's when you say to yourself, it's time to get back in the game. Pull off some bank heists and take as much of my friend's money as I possibly can. That's right. The hit mobile game, Monopoly Go, lets you compete with your friends to be the biggest tycoon ever. I might do this with my high school friends. We used to play Monopoly all the time. It's the Monopoly you love, but on your phone anytime with tons of new twists, including leaderboards to compare your progress. There's so much to do. Play on countless dynamic Monopoly boards. Make your friends bankrupt by smashing their landmarks with a wrecking ball. Charge other players rent for your iconic properties. Maybe you'll even play against me. I'm great at Monopoly. You could even work with your friends to crack open community chests and in tournaments to get extra rewards. Get back out there. Put on your game face. Download Monopoly Go. Now free on the App Store or Google Play. The BS Podcast is also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. Hope you're checking out the Book of Wrestling, David Shoemaker's new podcast, the Icons Club Podcast by Jackie McMullen. She's on Ryan Rosillo's pod this week. The Town with Matt Bellany. That's another new one we launched recently. The Rewatchables did that one on Monday night. Die Hard 2. Pay tribute to the great Bruce Willis. Fairway Rolling with Joe House and Nathan Hubbard. They're going to be on this podcast in a little bit. We're going to be talking about the masters because we are here. So that's the thing that's happening. We'll explain. Ariel Helwani is on this podcast as well. We're going to be talking about WrestleMania and the UFC 273 and whether he's recovered yet from the Bills loss to the Chiefs. So that is all coming up. House and I are going to talk a little bit about the NBA at the top. Not sure if you're following this Lakers subplot, but Pretty interesting. Also, there's been some MVP shenanigans. So we're going to hit that. Then we're going to talk Masters and then UFC, WrestleMania, and the Bills. Action Pack Pod live from Georgia. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, I'm here with Joe House. It is late here in Georgia. We're at Augusta. It is almost 1245 East Coast time. We thought we would be done with the pod way before this, 
We did all the golf stuff already. You'll hear that in a second. As we were taping the golf stuff, it became apparent the Spurs were beating the Nuggets and it became apparent the Lakers might be knocked out of the playoffs tonight with no LeBron playing. So we were like, well, we got to watch that. Watch the second half. The Suns dusted the Lakers' house. The Lakers' season is over. It's Tuesday of the final week. They didn't make the play-in game. LeBron was complaining about the play-in game last year. They didn't even make it. Yeah, so... But seriously, I mean, Russell and I, we did a whole thing about the most disappointing NBA seasons ever, which, you know, a lot of the candidates in those are always teams that made it to the playoffs and had some disappointing exit. There's a million examples of those. Rarely do you see the team flame out. Even more rarely do you see the team with the high expectations not even get a chance to flame out. And I think just watching this, when you think of, uh, you know, we're now year four of the LeBron thing, how weird it is. He misses the playoffs twice. They lose in round one last year, and yet they win the title the other year in a year where there are no fans at the games, there's no parade, and we're four years in. This is like a presidential term at this point. That's more interesting to me than dancing on the Lakers' grave at this point. We're not dancing. The grave was already dug. The tombstone was already up. There's no more dancing. The true culprit for the disappointing Lakers season was Anthony Davis. Mm. And you expressed skepticism about Anthony Davis early in the season because of what by appearance now we didn't have our own scale we didn't ask him to stand on a scale or anything but by appearance he looked to have bulked up in the offseason in some way because he physically wasn't moving with the same kind of fluidity that we've grown accustomed to and you were sort of i wonder what's going on with ad he seemed too big to me that you said that uh on this podcast and then he got hurt and that was really the end of this lakers season i mean yeah. we had Lots of twists and turns, and, and LeBron is going to win the scoring title, and LeBron is going to make an all-NBA team, notwithstanding whatever direction you go with that. I, with I don't know vote. how to feel about it. He, he, those things are going to happen. I would, I would have to break rules that I've made over the years but to you, put him you in. You do you. But Rosillo made a good point that if there's not another good candidate, you can't like force just throwing somebody in who we're going to look back 10. My whole thing is if I'm going to look back 10 years from now, would I have regrets for certain things, you know? And it's like, it's hard to regret somebody who averages 30 a game for 58 <laughs> games at, at age 37. On the other hand, <laughs> on the other hand, the Bill Simmons on the other hand. Well, I mean, this is what he tweeted August 4th. Keep talking about my squad, our personnel ages, the way he plays, he stays injured, we're past our time in this league, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do me one favor, please, all caps. And I mean, please, all caps. <laughs> Keep that same narrative energy when it begins. That's all I ask. And then he deleted it like six hours later. But we were saying this all summer. This team makes no sense. What are you guys doing? And I'm trying to think like, if you're going to play the blame game, which is going to happen, right? Vogel's out. Vogel made out the best out of this. He gets paid to leave. He doesn't want to coach his team anyway. He's a defensive coach. They put all offensive players. Polinka, I think, is out too. Is that right? I think he's out. I actually think they go full house cleaning, and I think they look at this and they go, wait a second. We mortgaged 2014 through 2018 to get LeBron and Davis, plus all these picks with the Pelicans. You know, when you include Randall and Lonzo and D'Angelo Russell just to create the cap space, all the guys they gave up. 
And then all the picks they gave up. Now this Pelicans pick, which is going to be seven, eight, or nine, unless it goes in the top four. Um, you just got to look at this and go, we just need a fresh start everywhere. I need a fresh start with the person picking the players. I need somebody who can stand up to LeBron. I need a different coach. We have to stop asking LeBron for player personnel advice. Well, fresh start, reset button. It, <laughs> and yet the rumor that, that we saw this morning and shared amongst each other was Doc Rivers as a potential candidate I was so mad. the Lakers. We, Russell and I started this thing two weeks ago about uh, I'm hearing stuff was the segment. And I had the oh, I'm I hearing this. stuff about the Clippers. It was at the tail end of the pod about I'm hearing George and Norm Powell and Kawhi, like they might all be back for round one. And then George about, so I was going to do the Doc Rivers Lakers thing for I'm hearing stuff. And I just forgot. And Jake Fisher, all kudos to him. He had it in his piece today. That's been percolating in the LA area because LeBron and Doc, they have a good history. You bring a guy in who, you know, big, whatever. I mean, the, the piece that doesn't make sense is what if Philly does really well in the playoffs, Doc? They're not going to let him out of his contract. But if the Philly thing ends badly and they want a fresh start, it could make sense for him to come back. What's curious to me about it from for, for Doc, it would be a play where he wants to come back to California because he loves L.A. He loves living he in California. He does love L.A. Well, I'll tell he you, the Bellar Country Club loves him. He loves playing golf. But what the hell is that Lakers team going to be next year? That's the thing. What's he coming here to coach? So leads me to point B is Presty. Why did LeBron float him out at All-Star Weekend? You've, been, you've fixated on this. What was the reason? And people were like, well, because there were theories about, well, he knows Cleveland's going to have a ton of picks. He wants his son to get drafted potentially down the road. and Or it was just major shade at Palinka, whatever it was. But Presty, like, all right, he's in OKC. They have a million picks. It's going to be a long haul. Is he just, that's it? That's going to be his career? Or is he going to take a swing with a with a marquee franchise? Mannix was on my podcast a while ago talking about how Presti's a Boston guy. He went to Emerson. It would have been his dream to run the Celtics. They never asked him because they promoted Brad. But at, at some point, does he look at these big franchises and go, it's time to push my chips in the game. And if you're the Lakers and you have no picks, you have no way to make this better. You're stuck. You're paying the luxury tax already next year with five guys. I think they have the same salary cap number this uh, next year that they have this year. Do you have to get creative and find somebody who can find these gems out of nowhere? Who are the gems on this team? That's the most. Who are the guys that they pulled out of the G League? Who Reeves. Are... Reeves is the <laughs> gem. But that's the thing. Reeves isn't even good. Who, who, the Laker fans are like, gotta love Reeves. It's like, do I? Would who, he play for any playoff team? THT. Who was that? Blanca? Well, that was clutch. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was that oh, was one a, of the many clutch favorites over the years. That's a fireable offense. Yeah, they gave though they gave him the money and then let let Caruso, Caruso go, go as has been yeah. documented. So that that what you're describing in terms of the size of the challenge, the the true legacy that he would forge for himself if he was able to take this um, dead in the water situation and transform it into something, especially at this stage of LeBron's career. That's all career defining, legacy defining stuff. And that makes sense. LeBron needs it. And this is the point that you kind of touched on uh, a little bit ago that I wanted to pick up on. What do you think? And I, you, you need to have a true Laker truther on this podcast yeah. to come on and articulate. I think the Laker fans are okay with LeBron. They, they, he brought him a title, and I think they're okay with And I don't think they've turned on him. And they definitely 
regard that title as the equivalent of a full yeah, NBA and title. And we would too. If the Celtics won the bubble title, it would be the greatest title of it is the my title last 10 years. That's the title I would expect Washington to win so that everybody could the, say. The asterisk title? Yeah, like, oh, you won. This, I, make, I, I call it summer camp. They won summer camp. Right. Well, they went all in on this team that was old and had their best player a ton of miles on him. He's not going to get to 60 games. Second best player is a guy who has had a checkered injury history who seems like an old 28 at this point. You think like him and Embiid and Giannis, those are his peers. He was 2012 draft. Giannis was 2013 and beats 2014. He should, and Jokic was 2014 too. Those are his peers. And he moves the worst. That's the he thing looks about the it. oldest and moves the worst. He moves the worst. It's not great. I, I, so, you know, that to me, it starts with him. Forget about LeBron. LeBron's getting old and he, he just shouldn't be the best player on a, on a team anymore because you saw what happened this year. He was the best player on a team that went 31 and 51. That's who he is at this point of his career. He, he can, can be play, the leading scorer on a really good team. If he plays every other game, which is, you know, he'll end up playing right. two thirds of the game. He can play but, 60 games. He can yeah. be the best player on the floor some nights, yeah. but he is not a, what we saw Giannis and Embiid and Jokic and guys like, and Luca and these guys that are just, they can be durable. They can play every night. They can play at the highest level. He can do it sometimes. He's 37. Right. With 60,000 plus minutes on him. So they need Davis and they whiffed on that. Um, they need a better GM who can well, find some diamond in the rough. They didn't on Davis. Davis got hurt. They well, I mean, Davis, they whiffed Davis in the terms hurt. of like handing the torch to a guy who can carry the franchise going forward. Do you trust them to do that? They can't recover from the mistake they made with Russ. That's the problem. The right. true problem is right. they made. But that's done. That's the sunk cost. They gambled and they lost. But, but where to go? But from, could the second mistake where be? Where to go now? Could the second mistake be we think Anthony Davis is a generational franchise player. And now it's three years later. And I think the answer is no. He's going to be year 11 We next don't year. have an answer. I don't think we have an answer. We, you think he's going to be turning it on some, in the next five years? Some number of NBA, you know, smart folks voted him into the top 75. Including me, of, like of, a of, moron. I can't believe I it. Know. I know. I wish really... I could go back in time. <laughs> but that, the, he, he, there's still some some time left to his legacy. I mean... He's going to have to change his body. He's got to have to lose 20 pounds. It's, that's, He's going to have to get in unbelievable shape to move like he did five years ago. Not, not as Rosillo said, not stop trying to answer the TNT guys who say you should be a center. Like, be you, Anthony Davis. You're, I, you're never, fucking, you have the Kevin Gar Garnett body. I'll never forget how fast he was baseline to baseline. I know. And how comfortable he was shooting the corner three. Well, some stuff that, uh, some stuff that changed taping this late Tuesday night. So all the games have happened. Miami has locked down the one seed. It looks like, and that is important because Atlanta lost tonight. They blew it against Toronto. So now Brooklyn is in the eight seed and the way this is all going, it looks like Miami versus the eight Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, all have the exact same record 49 and 30. Brooklyn's probably staring at them because Cleveland is the 17. Cleveland is just, they just, couldn't make it to the finish line of the season. Great job by Cleveland. Great job. Amazing. A golf clap. One of the few, by the way, you know, uh, we talked about my over-under record. And, yeah, and so how abysmal so it was. Forth. Yeah, it was really um, bad. We were, you, you had me on um, for very early reactions when those totals were announced. The two teams that we both loved so much were Cleveland and Phoenix. Right, and Cleveland, it went up by like three wins. So yes. we decided we got scared off, but... Brooklyn, that could not work out better. They get Brooklyn 
at Cleveland. Cleveland probably won't even have their guys back. So then all that Brooklyn wins that, all of a sudden they're the seventh seed, even though they've had the season from hell. And the seventh seed, I think Milwaukee will not be afraid to be the two seed. Milwaukee has Boston, Detroit, and Cleveland left. Boston has road games, Chicago, Milwaukee, Memphis. Memphis has nothing to play for. Philly has Toronto, Indy, Detroit. So schedule-wise, Philly has the easiest. I agree. Milwaukee, if they just beat Boston, then they would have Detroit, Cleveland at the end. Mm. Cleveland has a chance to fall to the eighth seed, so they might even you know, may be really playing hard. But I don't think the Celtics team is wired to duck. Then maybe I'm wrong. You can throw this back in my face, but I don't see them ducking to get out of the two seed. I don't. I think would be surprised if they did that. The way this is shaping up in the games that you just described to me, I think all three of those teams are going to try and win all yeah. the rest of their games. So it'll be like, let the chips fall where they may. Yes, that's what I So think that Boston-Milwaukee game, I think both those teams are going to give a shit and try. Milwaukee's tried this whole time. The uh, And Boston, you know, going to, going against Brooklyn, if Simmons isn't playing, I think that I think they would have to be favored in that series. Oh, wow. I do. I think they would have to be favored. I think they've they played have... better this season. They're nine games better than Brooklyn is. You, so... They'd have home court advantage. Brooklyn gives up 120 points a game. We do it the old school way. Brooklyn has the two best players. You you agree or disagree? Oh, I think I think Tatum is is the second best player in that series. Okay. He's not he's better ahead than Kyrie. Of Kyrie. Oh yeah, mm, Kyrie's got a pretty stop good it. Playoff Kyrie's record. great when he's playing once a week. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Boston Brooklyn. I think I have to go to every game of that series. Ooh, yeah. Come on to the East I think Coast. I'm get, I think this is the It'll I'm getting divorced series. No, no. I'm going to the family first family loves you. I don't know if they'll love me as much if I'm just on the East Coast. You know, it'll, it'll be getting warm and I'll come up. We could play some golf out on, you know. Oh, it went to the, the, the Massachusetts courses? Or Massachusetts, yeah. So then Chicago also looks very tasty to play against. Chicago and Cleveland are and the Toronto targets. is the team. Which is just nobody wants to, huge uh, pain one, in the ass. One one iota of, of Toronto. By the way, super credit to Masai yeah. and, and Nick Nurse. We sat together in October of 2021, me, you, and Rosillo, and threw up our hands. Like, what is Toronto going to do? We just yeah. couldn't. What is this team? What well, is the Scotty team? Barnes pick, looking back at that, when everyone thought they're going to take Suggs, including me, there was a minority of people who were like, "It's Barnes is really good." And you think that they got Siakam, they got him right. Well, the C- Siakam got, got better. Right. That's the key. Ben Bleed's like he, he'll probably make second team All Defense. Siakam has a legit claim to making All NBA third team. After so, you put me up to calling him one of the worst contracts in the NBA, well, I can't he, believe you did He deserved that. it at the time. He had an incredible <laughs> comeback. Two months ago. It was a very, he's been on an unbelievable tear. Just kudos to the, to the Raptors. That's all. And then uh, in the other conference, it's looking like Phoenix against whoever wins the Minnesota Clippers game. Memphis against the loser of that game, unless that team loses to New Orleans, which is not inconceivable. Golden State, Denver, and Dallas, Utah would be the other matchups if this season ended today. Pretty good playoffs. Yeah, I'm right. I mean, Boston, Brooklyn would be awesome. It really, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philly, Brooklyn, Boston, Brooklyn. We're, we, we, Those are epic round one winning. series. I'm rooting for the Philly, Brooklyn. 
just because you know the unfinished business of of that that trade between those two teams. Yeah, the basketball fans win if it's Philly Brooklyn. Yes. Now we get a whole bunch. We get the Kyrie Harden thing. Oh, yeah. We get the KD and Bead piece of it. I mean, would, will Simmons continue to sit on the bench, put on these outfits like it's a fashion show, and and you know, well, he, or is he's or probably. Is it, is trying gonna, to get his twenty million. Back. I know. Is it is it better for the grievance that he that he you know when he's doing the grievance? Are they gonna at any point during the grievance trial? Are they gonna point out that he tried to practice with a phone in his pocket? Is that gonna come up? <laughs> it's, this is, That's how seriously he took it. Um, we got to mention Embiid. So look at look. I've talked about this MVP constantly. I think it's one of the most fascinating three man races we've had. I had Jokic slight edge. Then Giannis last week started coming on. And Embiid's always been lingering. Embiid's done the most over the last couple of weeks. Like he's kicked ass over and over again. Kicked ass again tonight, 45 and 13. He's gotten to the point, like they played Indiana night, they played Cleveland the other night. When he's going against the undermanned or undersized team, he's demolishing them late 90s, early 2000s Shaq style. Where it's just like, oh my God. Oh, he might get 57 tonight where it's just like, there's just no answer at all. I think, I, I think I have it even now. Like, I really think it's for me, it's coming down to the last five days. I actually think I have been beating Jokic in a dead heat. And if I had to pick, it's going to come down to shit. Like who had a better record and Philly's two games better. And, and not Giannis. We, I think Giannis blew it those last couple games. The loss that to Fred, Dallas. Not playing the Clipper game, then losing the Dallas game on Sunday night. Like, I think he had a chance to grab it by the balls. I think Jokic had a, had a chance to grab it by the balls. They lose to the Spurs tonight. He has a very uncharacteristic, high-volume shot game. And, you know, I, I think the Embiid-Jokic candidacies are, are just really similar. Razor thin. Yeah, it's just like you pull either guy off the team, the team is way worse. They both had a lot of dysfunction and weirdness or bad luck or whatever, where it wasn't the team they thought they were going to have. The guy was a rock on each team the whole time. Um, both spectacular offensive players. The stats are very similar. And Beats probably a shade better defensively, but I think Jokic is just a, more fun to play with probably. But then Embiid, I t like I was looking at my MVP from my book where I had the four MVP questions. And it's like, if you replace so-and-so with an average player, how much worse would they be? I think if you replaced Jokic or Embiid with, I don't know, um, Zubac, <laughs> what would the records of those teams be? They would be in the mid-20s for each team, right? For sure. Is Zubac is an average player? We got to come up with somebody better Who's, for average. I'm just saying. We'll just switch, average center. Switch them with Zubac. Um, this is an interesting one. In a giant pickup game, Who's the first player picked? Five five v five, and they're all picking up sides. I'm all, I mean, I want Joel. Are you kidding me? But just out of anyone, who would you take? What, what do you mean? Would you take Durant, Giannis, oh, Joel? Uh, it feels like Joel gets taken before Jokic. Anyone? Joel gets taken before Jokic. That was the question I thought you put on the table. Yeah, but I'm saying like, but. But Giannis, enter, whole, Giannis enters the chat room for that question. In the whole NBA, it's it's it's. Uh, do I am I do I know who these guys are? Am I for this? They're question? just all lined up. They're picking a game, and you're you have and money. Do I know who they are? Yeah, you then know. I want KD over Giannis. Oh my God! Come on. Okay. 
10 years from now, who's the first player from this season to jump into your head? Might be Embiid. Just because of the... the All the Philly dysfunction, the fact that we had so much invested in that dude, hoping that he was going to stay healthy, that he was going to get in better shape, that he was going to go to another level, and he did. He did everything we wanted. Yes. Whereas Jokic is having a slightly better version of the same season he already had, but he's more valuable because the team was a mess. And then um, the last one was, well, if you were explaining your pick to the average person who had no stake in it, would he understand the pick? And the Jokic thing, you got to start, you really got to lean into the advanced metrics a little bit more and stuff like that. I just, I really value Jokic. And I think he's, I think what he did with that really mediocre Denver team was incredible. But it's really close. You could, I I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't, I knew pretty much every season what I was going to do by the last week for MVP. And this, this week I don't. I, I, I'm glad that you let um, Joel back back in he played his way back in he he was he was third for me five days ago i know i understand but But Jokic, you know by the way if Jokic, he's a six seed let's say philly gets the two seed and denver gets the six i want to see philly go for the two seed and be like no you know that's what i want for my mvp we're not afraid of anybody who are their three games again toronto indy detroit damn now they'll kill indy the Toronto, so you won't be able to tank the indie game. The Toronto they, game is the referendum. This is it. It's all right, going to so come if, down to one game for Joel Embiid against but seriously, Toronto. Let's say he puts up like 46 and 20 against Toronto and is just like, I'm not afraid of Brooklyn. Bring them on. But might talk me into it. Mm. I, I will just say my vote is available. Who's going <laughs> to win it? Five days left. Denver, you know, they, uh, they look like they're stuck in the sixth seed. Minnesota had a chance to threaten them tonight and uh decided not to not no that that's washington the wizards dropped one on yeah, them. you're stupid wizards team. i love that ridiculous team. the uh i think the hardest mvps ever are still 90 and 93 because of the caliber of the guys 90 was magic versus barkley versus jordan oh man three awesome seasons jordan should have won yeah. i did all of this in my book magic ended up winning and it was a little bit of a he's magic that's a good team why aren't the Bulls doing better? Kind of, and but now you look back, Jordan was like 34, 7, and 6, 55 wins. Like he should have won best defensive player in the league. I don't know what we we're doing that year. And then the 93 MVP was the same thing Barkley, Hakeem, and Jordan. And Barkley won. We were all fine with it. He had incredible impact on that Suns team. And then the finals happened and Jordan was slightly better. I'm still okay with that, but that man, that was a hard one. You think like Barkley, Hakeem, MJ. The best player ever, one of the 12 best players ever, one of the 20 best players ever, all having some of their best seasons ever. Pretty good. So this is not the case with Jokic and Bede and Giannis, but the Giannis has a chance to be a top 15 guy ever. Yes. And Bede is the best center we've had in 20 years. It would just be wonderful. And Jokic is also the best center we've had in 20 years. I would, I, I would love another couple years out of Embiid at the, this level. I'm not, that's not a knock. I'm as a basketball fan, I'm rooting for him to be able to play 70 games in the next couple of years and play at this level. So we have Philly, Toronto, and Milwaukee, Boston as the two awesome games left that I think will probably determine some of this. KD, I thought about it. I got feedback from different people about KD 55 games, first team all NBA. People are pointing out the record, like Brooklyn, they're only an eight seed. Um, but his record when they play is it's insane, like, isn't it? I think he's like forty and twenty six now. 
Whereas LeBron, when he plays, he was like 25 and 31. Well, that's not the comparison. No, but I'm just saying, like, people are like, well, you can't leave LeBron off and then make Durant first team. I'm still trying to figure out. I'm a work in progress. The LeBron thing's really tough for me because I am just, I don't like the I with basketball players. I like us. And this has turned into an I season for him. Even today, like now it's like, well, can he play two more games to win the scoring title? This wasn't used, didn't, didn't used to be what LeBron was about. Come on. He's going to win the scoring title and who it belongs can, on an hey, all NBA team. Let me, I'm going to ask you, who won the 2013 scoring title? No idea. Who won the 1999 scoring title? It doesn't matter. It, it, it is part of his resume. He's 37 years old. You know old. what else is on his resume? This team is going to go 31 and 51. That's and, also on the resume. Anthony Davis missed, you know. I get it. I, I just scoring titles. Like, come on. Scoring titles, fun, fun to mention. For a 37-year-old. I okay. think, you know, that's, that's, that's a quality season. His he, rebounds and assists are, are not trifling either. One of the things I loved about LeBron as a player was he never gave a shit about stuff like this in the past. I'm just going to say that. It's fine for him to think about, you know, legacy and have both things. His legacy's established. He's the second best player of all time. They have built it. The, the scoring title is going to push it over the top. Oh, he won a scoring title. He played 58 games for a 31 and 51 team, scored 30 points. What is that? I'm not, nobody's going to care. That was not the point or the goal of this season. And that was not the goal was to the, make the playoffs and compete in, for a championship. All true. That's right. That was the goal. We're in lockstep agreement on that. Well, I think Abid actually passed him. But what's funny is because Abid had like 45 tonight, I think Abid might be slightly above him now. But <laughs> hey, let's look. This is a bet. Like, let's well, go ahead. This is, this legit. is why I bring this, this up. And then we're going to get a break. And this is for us. This is this is why I bring it up. Yeah, LeBron was 30.3 today and Joel was 30.2. So Joel's definitely at least 30.3 because he had 45 tonight. LeBron has this OKC game. Yes. That you're tanking OKC with no size at all and LeBron going for the scoring title. I don't know what that, like what, what does FanDuel make that line for his points? It's got to be at least like, like to realistically for get people to bet on, it's got to be like 37. Oh, uh, th this would be a fun research project. Somebody we can get 40. Somebody. I want somebody to look his up ankles what's hurt. The He's not going to be a hundred percent. He's going to shoot a lot of threes. Eh. Is it really that hurt? Is he really? Well, if it wasn't really that hurt. Why didn't he play tonight? They, they're playing for their playoff lives in Phoenix. So yeah. I, he's definitely hurt. He's resting. No, he's, he's, I hope he's hurt. I, I mean, he's, he's hurt enough to take the night off. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see how hurt he is against OKC. I'm playing the over. <laughs> Whatever you know, that Lakers, point total is. Lakers money line and the LeBron over. Wow. How about that part? Uh, we'll get FanDuel to boost that for everybody. Yeah. Uh, speaking of FanDuel, we're going to take a break and we're going to talk about FanDuel. We're going to come back and Nathan Hubbard's going to join us and we are going to talk Masters. And you're going to hear me do this intro again because I did the intro originally not knowing we were going to talk about the death of the Lakers. But there you go. Golf's first major is a tradition unlike any other. And right now, new customers can get 31 odds on Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, or Dustin Johnson. Two of those guys have won the Masters. The other one's Rory. He's won four majors. You can get 31 odds on any of them to make the cut at Augusta. That's right. If any of those players make the cut, you win big. We are talking about some of our favorite betting storylines. 
for the Masters. My favorite storyline is that we put up a bunch of special markets. It's, it's featured very prominently. Go to the FanDuel page. You'll see Ringer specials. It's right there. Joe House, Nathan Hubbard, they picked some of their favorite bets. Colin Morikawa, I will say, is involved in a bunch of them. So hopefully we didn't jinx them. But there's no better time to get in on the action with, than with uh, FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, the app is easy to use. So many different betting options. And when you win, you'll get paid fast. I am doing a same tournament parlay that we discussed on this podcast that will be available on Wednesday as well. Drive down Magnolia Lane. Take a swing at betting the first major. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Get 30 to 1 odds on Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, or Dustin Johnson to make the cut at Augusta. FanDuel Sportsbook, official betting operator of the PGA Tour. You must be 21 plus and present in select states. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Connecticut, 888-789-777. In Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER. In Michigan, 800-270-7117. 1-877-770-STOP. In Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Tennessee red line is 800-889-9789. And in West Virginia, 1800-GAMBLER.net. All right, we're taping this. It is 11 o'clock Eastern time. We're in Georgia. I'm here with Joe House and Nathan Hubbard, the hosts of Fairway Rolling. We've been trying to figure out master's bets all day. It looks like Tiger Woods is playing, fellas. This is a thing that's happening. He said it. Tiger Woods to miss the cut. Minus 112. We've decided it is un-American to bet on Tiger Woods missing the cut. What's it going to be like, House? What's it going to be like to be there with the return of Tiger? It's going to be respectful, right? But the sheer will of the masses everybody's good intentions are so going to buoy his spirit he, he will fear it feel it all of us will be we can't say a word right until after he's he's completed the shot and everything oh a nice clap whatever but holy cow we'll all be screaming from the top of our lungs emanating from the our earlobes and our like noses like when and, we got pf changs tonight and you were screaming at the top of your lungs when it arrived our champions dinner that was our champions dinner yeah nathan tiger woods in the house I, those were the biggest crowds i've ever seen on a monday i think it's going to be chaos i think it's going to be a zoo and i think that this secretly benefits a bunch of other players who mm. have the penumbra of a a shadow of doubt or uh, negative energy that they would have had coming into this around the line of questioning that they were going to get sucked away by the by the tiger oxygen that is only going to be in the giant crowds that follow him. Well, they announced the groups, the, the, the groupings on Thursday. He's playing in the middle of the day. Sorry, Jocko Neiman. You are fucked, buddy. So Oost Tyson's in there as well. And then they loaded the end of it. And we were trying, like the our favorite pairing was the Zalatoris Cantley Rom pairing, but our guess is just everyone's just going to follow Tiger. Like it'll be like a fourth round Tiger in the lead at the Masters kind of gallery, just traveling behind him. 
Well, it'll be like it's just not not fourth round anymore, right? Like, I mean, any any round that the tiger. But that's what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, full, like in the old days when it's like there's only eight, a few eight, guys left. Deep, yeah, full on. Yes, people rushing, all very respectfully because this is the Masters. House, do you really think Louis is going to handle this well in the group with Tiger? You said that that Jocko was fucked. By the way, you also used the word penumbra, which deserves an A plus plus on the BS pod vocabulary meter. I just want to put point that's that like out. the Princeton degree coming up. I thought that tonight. was the dish we ordered from P.F. Chang's. A, a Princeton flex. <laughs> I thought I got the penumbra chicken. <laughs> I don't mind you saying that Jocko's fucked. Um, we're talking about Jocko. We're talking about Neiman. I don't yeah. mind that uh, assessment. I have no, I think Louis Hazen is up to the moment. He's over it. He's a perfect foil for Tiger. He's mm. going to mind his own business. He's chill. He's on the factor. I mean, on the tractor on his farm. Same, same deal. Well, one of the things we did FanDuel allowed us to uh, to make a lot of bets that they're promoting on their website. It was really fun to actually create bets for them. You guys did it. I, I just kind of looked at the final results because House and Nathan know way more about golf than I do. We have some fun ones on there. One of them is Tiger Woods to make the cut in either Brooks Kepka or Xander Shoffley win the Masters. And that is 23 to 1, House. What what made you like that one? What was it about it? What made that tasty in your mind? Um, in the first place, I only want to root one way when it comes to Tiger Woods, and we're setting the expectations appropriately, which is just make the cut. That's a humongous victory for everybody involved. It's an enormous victory for Tiger Woods, right? To make make the cut to get into the weekend, and you know his his return to golf at this moment this juncture in professional golf where most of the uh, oxygen that was being deployed uh, was, was attributed to this rival golf league and Phil Mickelson. Mm. Here's Tiger back, negative energy. back on the scene with the most positive, positive energy coinciding with everybody back on grounds at the Masters, the first Masters in, in three years. Oh, yeah. Right? Forgot Everybody's about that back. Part. Yeah. It's like COVID doesn't exist anymore. Nathan. There you go. Definitely does not exist down here in Georgia. Um, what is your favorite thing about this Masters that's not Tiger, Nathan? Uh, Hideki's Champions Dinner menu. Which, what was it? So he he did uh, he did a, a assortment of sushi. He followed it with some black miso cod, and then he finished with some Miyazaki wagyu. Which it just made you hungry. That was yeah, it. Yeah. Well, that's all he's reading coming down here. I mean, I assume Jordan Spieth, that's all he could talk about in the press conference. It's way better than pigs in the blanket or cottage right. pies. DJ served pigs in the blanket. Danny Willett, cottage pies. Like this was a real meal. House loves Morikawa. There's a lot of Morikawa bets on these FanDuel um, specials that we did, including the one with Tiger where Morikawa finishes top five. Tiger makes the cut, and that was ten to one. Which I, was I thought was hugely a nice one. skeptical of this when he first laid it out. And so, what's the case? Give us the Morikawa case. The Morikawa case is the press conference today. <laughs> you love? Can we talk about how much Nathan loves the press conference? Well, and, and, and I'm all in with him. We this is part of the diligence. So explain it. What What are the tips of studying a press conference? You're looking right in a man's eyes. <laughs> Within 48 hours of him teeing off at the Masters, he's had a little bit of experience already this week. And you can just get a read on how the game is. Morikawa spent his whole press conference talking about how he's played the course all wrong. 
He was inexplicably trying to hit draws on all the odd number holes on the front. The only holes he really needs to hit it on are like 13 and 10 or something. And how now he's figured out that he's fine with his straight ball or his five-yard cut, Mm. which tells you that he's playing so well, he can intentionally hit a five-yard cut. He just looked like a machine. The other guy who looked like a machine house was... John Rahm. He scared the shit out of me today. Yeah, I we we watched it and and I told Nate that press conference to me you could have had he could have had a green jacket on his shoulders and given that exact same press conference. That's how good it was. It was the quality of a of a Masters winner and the the points that he hit and the notes that he hit and the you know everything that he observed the way that he laid it all out that he was talking champion talk and he he's he's in the right place mentally. So we have Rom as the favorite at twelve to one. Plus 210 to make top five. Plus 110 to make top 10. Minus 220 to make the top 20. And then we also enjoyed his uh, best guy from Spain this weekend was minus 350, which is basically him versus Sergio as a minus 350. So some of that, FanDuel allows you to parlay some of this stuff. I'm not sure they'll allow you to do the best Spaniard bet. but You can, uh, you can, you can bet best European. He... he, he, he he reminded us today that he showed up here Tuesday night last year because and play only got nine holes of practice in because he had just had a baby. Right. Plus, plus 310, top European. That's pretty good. I'm writing that one down. I might want to parlay. I have a little Shane Lowry in my loins this week. <laughs> I'm really? telling you right now. In your loins? Yeah, well, <laughs> what you do know, you mean? He's Irish. Do you want to see a doctor? Northern Irish. I... I uh, want to just confess my Rory bias. This probably means that Rory McIlroy is a lock for a for a top five finish, possibly to to finally get his career Grand Slam. Um, but I, I Shane Lowry's been in 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 very good form quietly. He's got a a bunch of um, top twenty five finishes worldwide, and he's a major kind of guy. I just House, like what him. about Morikawa for eleven to one top USA player Rom? Plus three ten top European, that parlay is uh, wow, plus four plus forty eight twenty. Will they let us do that? That's kind of, yeah, on Fanduel they will. You win four thousand eight hundred twenty dollars for a hundred dollar bet. The Morikawa Ram to put Ram Euro USA combo to to you know to be fair. Yeah, what you do is lose one hundred dollars when you make that bet. I just <laughs> want to bet. I was just saying, I like throwing out the bets. Yeah. That's what happens. So, can we surmise that Rom is the guy right now based on these odds, or is it just people like the course for him? Kind of feels like he's becoming the guy. I loved his comments today. He, he was slightly snarky about Tiger. He said he's asked Tiger for advice a bunch of times. Tiger doesn't give him anything, and then he looks over and he's given JT a dissertation, as he said. He's super jealous. There was he's the only one who's thrown any shade at Tiger this whole week. Is that because he's not a Team USA guy? I, I think it's like, that's rider, exactly. it's like a Ryder Cup thing, right? Y- y- probably. I think that's probably right. But I it makes they me, know what kind of a foe he is. Honestly, yeah, they do. But that's why I think Tiger is playing JT dirty this week. All of the haze around Tiger, he flew up with JT to play the practice round. They played the practice round with Freddie Couples the other day. Oh, is he doing the MJ Barkley yes. befriending him? But I, I that's honestly, what he's doing. I don't think that's that's. I, I have a slightly different take because I do believe that Tiger would be thrilled if JT won. I think Tiger 
more than anything for this to be a success needed a friend and his closest uh, i really do think this his closest what about his son his closest competent friend, but charlie he can't he's not on the tour the guy who's, who's on the tour who can really win is jt so jt is his colleague that he's leaning on mm. to help him get through this and i honestly think to nate's point it very well may cost jt an opportunity to win the masters this year in his own stead because it's it's energy little like, brother syndrome today. he flew up here last week with tiger on tiger's jet and you know it created a furor because it was like oh shit is tiger what's gonna play in the masters mm. but jt was part of that and he's been part of it um to to the good point nate is making all week long so it's shaping up at least from these odds and this being the first tournament for this to be the year of rom last year was kind of the year of bryson a little bit it's somewhat well, it's the year of Bryson because of year of Bryson becoming the stories of the famous Bryson, golfer, and the Bryson Brooks rivalry was like the most fun, you know, storyline of the year. Well, I mentioned this because one of House's favorite bets is Bryson to miss the cut at plus one forty two. What do you not like about Bryson right now? He's hurt, and and he acknowledges that he's hurt. He, he told us he's only eighty percent. He he said in his press conference that his doctors wanted him to take four months off and instead he took two months off because he wanted to play in the Masters. Mm. He's missed the cut two of the last three times that he's played and he went 0-2-1 in the match play. He would have missed the cut in that event as well except for there was no cut. He's played five golf tournaments since the Ryder Cup. He the was Ryder Cup was September San of, of last. He, he played San Antonio to Nate's point. He couldn't hit driver. Didn't even try to hit driver. Like, you know what? Yeah, what's that? That's like Steph not shooting threes. He wants to play in the Masters, which is fucking awesome. He's going to play in the Masters with Tiger uh, upon the the. Well, he already did with the Woods. dude perfect guys using hockey sticks and tennis rackets. That's so maybe that reason. was his round. Was he eighty percent for that or no? He, he was zero percent. Only I, I, House is angry. I was not angry. No, maybe no, no, maybe no. Bryson. In house, you've been against Bryson for a while here. Uh, that's not true. I like Bryson. I just think he's complicated. Eh, not really. Um. Maybe he's trying to win you over by playing hurt, by doing the, uh, I don't know. I don't think he's playing. No, but, he, he's, but he's playing in the Masters at 80%. Oh, playing he's hurt. trying to do the, the <laughs> look, look at me, the couple where he's like, he's doing some stretching and just trying to, it's like, man, can he even continue? Well, when he's healthy, he is, um, by the advanced metrics uh, <laughs> shared with us by our good friend, Justin Ray, who was on the podcast Monday, the preview. Um, the third worst putter of the last uh, half you know, decade, and the two guys that are behind him are a combined uh, 170 years old. It's a Jose Maria Olathabel and Sandy Lyle are, are the only guys that have putted Put worse, worse than, than Bryson DeChambeau. That almost Masters. feels to me like like when Ben Simmons shoots 34% in the playoffs from the free throw line. It's in his dome. There's no doubt. Yeah, that like that's like combination not that good in any way plus the yips. There's a great explanation for it. It is the one tournament where they don't permit um, green reading books, right? And then the tour has subsequently followed that rule, adopted that rule. So in no events are you allowed to have green reading books anymore, which is why it's taking guys a long time to make putts. But he, you know, the, the theory is that he was using those books as a crutch and he was too, you know, devoted to it. They wouldn't permit it at the Masters. There's a local rule here at the Masters. And so he felt, you know, he was playing out there without his pants on and unsuccessful. 
I don't even know what a green reading book is. Would that have helped me when we played a couple of weeks ago yes. or no? Uh, would it have helped you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure anything. Would, if you putt with it, would maybe. Would I throw yes. my putter if I had if one you of those with it, maybe. There's something that Morikawa said today that has me slightly concerned about our lean into the young guys. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, and it is that he said, this is the first time that this course has ever played with roll, right? Because in 19, the course was definitely not in the shape that everybody wanted it to be in. And last year, it was pretty wet too. And they had, he said the dreaded world word mud balls. We know that 17 of the last 19 winners have been 27 or older. So there's a lot of winners who see this course for what it actually is. We're high on these young guns, but they're going to see a very different Masters than they ever have this week. So should we be scared of the cream of some young guns guy, that that bet that you made on FanDuel, which was... Zalatoris, Hovland, Morikawa, all top 20 finish, plus 550. I, mean, I have we, a tweak for that that I'm doing for my same game parlay. We've acknowledged that, that Hovland is the weak link. In he this. scared us today. And and the press conference did not help. You know, if we gave if we gave John Rahm um, 10 stars for his press conference performance, what what how many stars are you giving, Vic? 10 for smiles, three for confidence in the cream of some young guns bet. <laughs> So I think for my same game parlay for FanDuel, which I usually do NBA, I'm going to do golf for this Wednesday. And I think I'm going to tweak your cream with some young guns. And I'm going to put Scheffler in there instead of Morikawa. No, Scheffler and Morikawa are in. And Zal Torres. Oh, you're going to take Hovland out. Hovland out. And and drop in the Z Z spot. I'm putting the Z spot in. I like it. I like it too. Sheffler's minus 175. Morikawa is minus 110. The Z spot's minus 105. Vic was watching Paul Casey to learn how to hit low controlled spin shots around the green today. That is not the carbon copy guy you want to be watching. Well, that parlay is plus 485. Maybe we can get our friends at FanDuel to boost it since, you know, they came through for us all week. They brought us to Georgia doing some pods. We get to walk the course. My dad didn't find out until Sunday. He was furious. <laughs> he was like, what time do I get there? <laughs> it's like, no, you didn't make the cut this year. Kind of like, hopefully, like you Bryson. say that about Tiger. I kind of yeah, want like to cut. take a shot at Doc, but I love him too much. I'm well, gonna... he's, you know, he's, he's like Kareem in the late 80s. You got to, you can't run the fast break because you got to wait for him to get up the I mean, court. You have to remind, remind Doc, you can't have a walker. This, then they don't permit walkers. <laughs> he didn't have a walker. <laughs> no, he just wanted to hole up at the top, at the par 16. Yes. The uh, par three and just kind of hang out all day. We want to walk around. Tigers were in foot joys. Maybe if we get him in foot joys, he can walk the course. It's a great point. House and I had a great thing with, uh, we followed Spieth when we were here four years ago. And we followed him on the back nine. And for whatever reason, the 10th hole, there's just not a lot of people on the 10th hole. Yeah. So we were able to like get right there and walk down. It's downhill. It's a little dog leg. And we got to really like experience him try to solve this hole. And it was just really cool. It was my best, I think one of my best memories of that. Other than somebody drained. Did we see a hole in one or an almost? Almost hole in one. What was that par 16. three? But by somebody good though. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it might have been Rom. I don't remember now. I thought it was one of the older guys. I thought it was like Phil. It was like Phil or Tiger. Oh, Phil. Phil did hit it one in in there. Uh, Remember when Phil, when we used to get excited to see Phil? (laughs) No Phil this week. No Phil. I don't know if you guys heard. Kanye's out of the Masters or Kanye's out of Coachella. Phil's out of the Masters. This is like the year of just people getting shoved to the side. 
Well, I mean, he kind of shoved himself. I mean, he he I sure did. I wouldn't say he got Do we shoved. miss him, Bill? You know, you asked me that today, and my answer was no. I'm not going to miss him. I'm not. A lot of people here will miss him. Do miss him. Where do you stand? Just telling you. I don't miss him. I'm fine with it. 29 years. Good run. All right. We're going to take a break, and then uh, we'll talk a little more Masters. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is brought to you by Honey Stinger. This is a show about sports and culture opinions. But right now, I want to talk sports facts, the data, the stats. Honey Stinger, sports nutrition, trusted by more than 1,500 pro and college teams. That's right, 1,500. That's all 32 pro football teams. That's 39 pro basketball teams, 29 pro baseball teams, and more that prepare, perform, and recover with the delicious taste of Honey Stinger's energy waffles, chews, gels, and bars. Honey Stinger is the one team's trust. Use code Simmons for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. That is S-I-M-M-O-N-S for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. All right, so we made all these uh, FanDuel bets for the Masters. It made me think, like, I think this is probably the most fun thing to bet on. I was trying to think what what is more fun that has a start, a middle, and a finish. It's confined. You can go into it with opinions. You're not attached too long. You can bet different things. You can do top five. You can do top 10. You can bet to win, make, miss the cut. You can bet guys against each other. Like one of the bets we like is, uh, you know, because Nate was studying that Hovland press conference. Morikawa is underdogs against Hovland. They have those head-to-head bets on FanDuel. Tournament matchups. Hovland's minus 136. Morikawa's plus 108. So you can just, you can head-to-head against guys you don't like. Like Patrick Reed's another one. If you just want to go against him, go for it. But I think this is the most fun thing to bet on. What What is more fun? So this is, you know, when I um, sit down week to week, I bet on every single tournament. Most of the time, my money is on the head-to-head matchups. Because that that's where, rather than the odds associated with outright winning, which are impossible and don't yeah. really compensate you for the amount of risk that you're taking on, the head-to-head matchups tend to be the odds you know you can you can find um something where it's it's fair enough and if you have an opinion about a guy's fit for a course or his trend you know line coming into the event you know um, it's it's the roulette wheel of it's the roulette wheel of uh golf game red or black yeah it's basically red or black but with with little odds either way and if you feel like something's even but you're getting a little juice that makes it happen and, and you know you're supposed to show up with a little bit of research on it and have your own perspective and then if you have a, a a conviction go ahead and bet that conviction in in the same way that i'm betting bryson to miss the cut i'm betting against him in every single matchup that he shows up in there aren't a ton of matchups out there but by contradistinction i'm also betting on colin morikawa against every single person that they will create a matchup for, except for John Rahm. I won't bet Morikawa against John Rahm. So Morikawa, if he absolutely shits the bed this week, I feel like House is single-handedly to blame. I'm going- on two different podcasts touting <laughs> the shit out of him. But the here's a good example on Bryson. They have a head-to-head Bryson against Louis Oosthuizen. Louis minus 164, Bryson's plus 130 in the matchup. I mean, you have to. That's a ton of juice you have to lay uh, on Louis. I don't like it. I, but you could par- you could parlay that with a second bet and oh. now have some fun. Oh, right. I is that true? 
Yes, you, it is. They'll let you parlay on the FanDuel? Oh, yeah. Okay. They'll let you parlay. Can but, we do the top senior player? What was that? Is that what are bet? the odds? Podrick Harrington is plus 145. Bernard Langer is plus 300. I mean... All we've done is watch Bernhard Langer yeah, win every in this. tournament. Are we are we crazy? When's the last I have some time Padre Harrington was good in this? They won't let you parlay the uh, matchups. Oh, okay. We'll talk to them tomorrow. <laughs> so, I I think Bernard Langer. I like him every we year. We have to lay this because they put all the old guys out in the morning, and we need something. If we don't have something to bet and cheer for in the morning, we're going to end up. What do you look for? What do you look for in an old guy? Uh, course history and current form. And there's only two guys on this you list. You like tall, short? I, I like stretchy, and that's longer. Stretchy. Yeah, that's what I mean. He's like the perfect. Yeah, he's plastic. Kind of like lanky guy. Yeah. He's also a stud on the Champions Tour. He like wins yeah. it every year. Every he's single... a machine. Yeah. Going through some of these. Uh, so we wanted to concentrate on Rom, Sheffer, DJ Brooks, Spieth, McElroy, Morikawa, Xander, and the Z spot. DJ looked great today in the press conference. 15 to 1. Did he? Yes. I liked what he was saying. He looks funny to me. He just doesn't because no, he always looks funny because he doesn't like those situations, but he's getting no questions. He just gets to get out there, I want play him, golf. I like him better with a hat on. Okay. Let me ask you a DJ question. That's a hairline joke. So he's... <laughs> I think Tiger transplanted DJ's hair. <laughs> DJ's 15 to 1. But he's minus 135 to make the top 20. Brooks is 19 to 1 to win the tournament. But he's minus 160 to make the top 20. So DJ has better odds to win, but Brooks has better odds to make the top 20. So does Speed. So what is that? Is that just people betting that? Or do people feel like... High beta. Like people just like betting DJ to win the Masters because he's DJ. Which is not a terrible idea. No. I mean, you know, he, he had a, a whole stretch of... of he had five consecutive top tens at Augusta National until he missed the cut last year, um, which was kind of a bummer. But he uh, just finished fourth at the match play event down in, in Austin. And really, it's because you have to do, they do this consolation thing. He lost he to the really guy who won second. it. He didn't yeah. matter. Exactly. Um, he tied the course record at Sawgrass in his last round. Um, that was on a on a Monday in the Players Championship, like reminding us of of what he brings to the table. Plus, he absolutely adores this joint. So, some value on DJ, I think. Yeah, he's a little like a Giannis, where if he's if Bud's going to play Giannis like forty two minutes in a game, you bet against the Bucks, and you're like, oh god, <laughs> that's right. Oh no, yeah. Um, any other DJ thoughts, Nathan? No, I, again, for me, it's the retreating hairline, but the, the game seems to be a bit on the rise. And he looked, to me, he sounded like he was very confident in the press conference today okay. and happy to be uh, out from the, the, the noise of Tiger. Sheffler, 15-1. Give me your thoughts on Sheffler. Looked awesome in the press conference again. Number one player in the world. Just scary to me because I think John Rahm wants it back. And I think, I think Rahm's going to make sure that he finishes ahead of Sheffler this week. Three to one, top five for him. I mean, the, you know, he's played it twice and he finished in the top 20 both times. Scotty Scheffler. Minus 175 this time around. Brooks is uh, 19 to 1. He's plus 320 for top five. How healthy is Brooks right now? I think healthy. I do too. As healthy as he's been in, in, in a long time. So he, why aren't we talking Brooks? What are we doing? He's inconsistent and you always, with Brooks, try and, and make a... a a narrative around the inconsistency. Yeah. Is it because 
He wasn't up for that event. Now he played really well in Austin. Yeah. And his he was head to head against DJ. DJ beat him. But very at, close match. At the very end. Yeah. The bark has been a little bit louder than the bite this year. Mm. I walked with him at Tory and he was not driving the ball well, but his driving stats have been better of late and he he's talking confidently coming in here. Speeth is 19 to 1. House was looking at all kinds of speeth bets about him leading after round 1 all these different things. Yeah. This is just cuz he looked good on Sunday. Well, he had an, an unbelievable performance to close out um his tournament in San Antonio and he was a defending champ of that event but like a an an astronomical ball striking performance yeah, a, right yeah a, a gained 11 uh tee to green lost 7 putting or something i mean he was awful but he's um led in the first round in three of the eight uh you know three of the, the last eight masters and if he's in form with the ball striking and returning to this place where magical things happen, it's worth a flyer. Okay. McElroy, 19 to 1. As you know, I've been out on McElroy for like four years. Where are you? I mean, come on. You are the biggest. I'm the biggest speed truther. You are the biggest Rory truther. He seems to like the quiet of Tiger noise this week. Do you believe in him? No. No. I, which means he's probably going to top three. Is Shane Lowry or Seamus Power going to be higher uh, on the Irish uh, scoring charts than Oh, we Rory can bet on week. this. I prefer Shane Lowry's odds to Seamus Powers. This is Seamus's first time at Augusta, I believe. I know. I just, ugh. we might be due for something wild. Rory backdoor top tens. The thing with, we, we, we discussed this uh, on Monday's pod. If he comes out and has a good first round, he right. can win the Masters. Yes. He is one of, he is whatever the stat was that Justin shared with us. Yes horrendous in his first round of majors over the last like it's like the reverse of mark hubbard yes <laughs> yes and it's a meaningful sample size it's not like just the last handful it's like over years now yes he's he's way over par on, well they have a bet over top yeah. great britain or ireland player and ireland player you get everybody in both categories roars plus 280 shane lowry plus 550 fitzpatrick six to one stay away from your guy me. hatton 750 Casey's 850. Hadden at 750 is like tiny. I want to do something tiny. You like quietly been playing. Make the case. Good. Let's hear it. Um, I, I it's my mind's eye. I don't have all the numbers in front of me, but he play. He's been playing well. He's been here in the states for a while. He came over earlier than usual for him, and you know I've seen him on the leaderboards on Sundays. Um, it's a good conversation enough. starter. What are your bets this week? Well, you know I studied the Great Britain Irish field pretty extensively. <laughs> <laughs> and I really like, really like Hatton. Uh, we mentioned Morikawa. Give us the, all right, it's Sunday night. Scott Van Pelt's on SportsCenter. And he's doing the 35-second monologue about how Morikawa won the Masters. How does that go? It starts for me uh, with what's happened the last two times he's won majors, which is he's been sitting there at odds that we should have known to take. And at one point this week on FanDuel, he was sitting there at 24 to 1. And when you have the best ball striker in the world on a course where the winners are the best ball strikers, sitting at 24 to 1, you have to take him. And usually, he never comes in firing on all cylinders when he's won these majors. He's been slightly below the radar, but he's so good that from one week to the next, he can turn it on. We didn't see it coming, and we should have. That's, that's the line. 
since his 18th place finish at last year's Masters, the 2021 20, uh, Masters, he has finished eighth, fourth, and first in the majors that have following that. He is the defending champion of the defending champion of the Open Championship, and arrives here at the Masters at 24 to one odds was extraordinary value. I don't think he's still at that number, but. No, he's. We tried. We we've been trying for four to five months to talk him down. <laughs> it's true. The odds are still good. He's twenty-two to one. It's not like it dropped too much. Those are good odds. He's plus three fifty to make the top five, plus one seventy-five for top ten. It's the odds, really, that that make it the the compelling case. There's just it's value for this quality of of player. That's all. And then Xander's twenty-four to one. He's the unknown. It's like he let me down in one of those majors. A year ago or two years ago, and I've, I've just well, had my guard. Well, he stood up. on the 16th tee last year. Yeah, chasing down. That's Hideki. what it was. It was last I year. Know, I know, and he chose the wrong golf club, mm. and he hit it at the ball in the water on 16, and finished tied for third behind behind Hideki. And then the Z spot, he's at 32 to one minus 105 to make the top 20. We just like him. We don't even need yeah, to talk I mean, about the, it. Yeah, I mean the the one there is if you look at all the guys who finished second at the Masters, they're all almost universally super high class players. And so if you go from year to year to year, it's Tiger, it's Phil, it's Jordan, it's 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 it's, and suddenly there the last two years it's Cam Smith, who won the players, and then it's Willie Z. So if you follow that trend, this guy's going to be in the mix. So who is this year's Willie Z? Do we have a candidate? Because every year there's the young guy like, wow, this guy's not going away. He's in the second to last group. He's never been here before. Yeah, I mean, I'm ready to see Scotty Scheffler finish in the top five in a major. No, he doesn't count. He's done too well. I'm saying an out of nowhere guy. Look, the out of nowhere, we're due for a random international. We've had Danny Willett in 16. We had Charles Schwartzel from South, South Africa, Africa in yeah. 2011. So if you're looking at those kinds of guys, maybe you're looking at the Beezer, Christian Bazudenhut. You're looking at Cam Davis, the the long-hitting Australian. Ah. Cam Davis, 12 to 1, top 10. Ooh. Yeah, so Beezer's might... 14 to 1, top 10. What's Garrick Higo? Like that, that's, you know. You know, we've we've circled Higo a couple times here. Thomas Peters, Lucas. Herbert. So Peters has a de demonstrated yes. um, level of success here. He was a first round leader at the Masters. Our guy Higo is 35 to 1, top 10. 35 to 1? 35 to 1. Not yeah, a lot I'm of Higo, actually. That's worth, that's worth 10 bucks. Higo, just, at some point, one. we're going to get another random. I'm, I'm looking at the Champions Dinner picture tonight, and there's a few guys who just stumbled into that room I'm just accidentally. I'm just telling you, somebody completely random and young is going to make the top 10 because it happens every year. Yeah. And sometimes even the guy will be in the last group or the second to last group and you know he's going to shoot like a 76. It's true. It's like, ah, this poor fucking guy. <laughs> Doug Gim at the players. <laughs> it's fine. Leader after round one, which is Thursday. Rom is 20 to one. Everybody else is 26 to one or higher. DJ, there's been little action. He's down to 22 to one. Tiger 50 to one, which would be like the most mm. unbelievable story of all time. I would recommend not betting that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, and that's really all we have other than we didn't mention the Morikawa versus McElroy bet. Morikawa is plus 114 against McElroy. So House's advice, back Morikawa. My advice, try to find the young guy and take the long odds because that's how you really win in gambling is you take somebody like Higo, who's 35 to one to win the top 10 and suddenly he's 
you know, minus eight after three rounds or some crazy number. And it's super exciting. Nathan, your advice is what? Study the press conferences. Yeah, study the More press, conferences. press conferences tomorrow for you, weirdo? No, we just got the part three. Uh, my advice is serve more pigs in the blanket at big fancy dinners like TJ did. <laughs> more, so you're pro pigs in the blanket. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What if you ever turned down a pigs in the blanket? Exactly. Never. You know, that's my favorite David Stern thing. I wrote about it too. You knew this story. Remind me. He, he used to demand that pigs in the blanket was at every NBA function. Right. Yes. And there was this one function where they didn't have it. And he was laying into somebody at the function. <laughs> about, I told you, pigs in the blanket. Huge Cold pigs in the blanket guy that David Stern. You know, those would go fine down here. Like they, they, and, and we know, uh, more than any other venue, any other event, they're always wanting to innovate here. There is a breakfast sandwich that we're going to try uh, on the grounds. This is a new breakfast sandwich. It is two meats and and cheesy egg all in a sandwich. What kind of meats? Sausage and bacon. The tradition. Okay. Yeah. Sausage, bacon, egg, and cheese inside, I, I think, a nice soft bun. What time do we have to get there to try that? I think they start serving it at 7. Okay. Are we walking the whole time or are we getting chairs? We don't need chairs. Let's we'll, we'll walk tomorrow. We'll see the golf course tomorrow with our feet. And then how much Advil did we bring? <laughs> we need to post up somewhere because, so that when Tiger comes through on Thursday, yeah. we're in a spot. We don't have to try and fight it's either the, crowd. the 12, 13 turnaround or it's 16 where they come up on 15, play 16, tee off on 17. The one thing that we didn't do when you were here in 2018 BS is go and stand behind one green and watch guys tee off on two. You gotta go see that portion of the golf course. It's pretty, it's very quiet up there. There is not a ton of of, of patrons up in that direction because you're really not close to anything else yeah. once you get up there in that yeah. corner. But it's like worth spending a half hour. I think we, we should do that. What is your outfit gonna be to, on Wednesday and Thursday? Oh, that's, I have a whole fit, it's all laid out up there. I'm not telling you right okay. now. Okay, can't wait to it. find out. Yeah. All right, we're going to say goodbye to Nathan and House. You can hear them on Fairway Rowan on Wednesday. I'll be joining that one. We'll, we'll report back from the par three, tell you what happened. So see you guys tomorrow. All right, our friend Ariel Hilwani is here. You can hear him on Spotify Green Room on Friday before UFC 273 with the three-pack, the three-pack, the three-pack. People pronounce it differently. And then... UFC 273 right afterwards. This is, what do you think, like eight out of 10 for you, this card? What is it? Top three fights, by the way. Great to be back. Uh, no Bill's hot takes this week. Um, no, we're going to get to them. Oh, Just so give great. us the quick UFC 273. Right, fine, fine, what fine. is it? Um, yeah. it's. I mean, the top three fights are fantastic. They really are. Um, rare that actually of the top three, two of them are title fights. And I would argue that most hardcore MMA fans are more interested in the non-title fight of the three, Hamza Chamayev versus Gilbert Burns. Speaks to just how good that fight is. But the top three are fantastic. I mean, certainly worth the pay-per-view if you ask me. All right, we're going to get to it later. I want to talk about WrestleMania. You went two-night affair. Um, you did some interviews. I, the two-night thing is the stroke of luck of all time for WWE, right? I don't think Vince comes up on this on his own. I was going when it was like seven hours and the crowd is just dying by hour five and they want to get everybody involved. In now it's like this two night thing. I feel like it's reinvigorated it. Can I tell you something? I saw your tweet. I've heard you talk about it. Don't love it. What don't you really tell me? Let's, I love it. 
I liked when it was NXT on Saturday. It looked different. It was the up-and-comers. It was a little smaller, right? It was usually in the arena. So this time it would be American Airlines. And then Sunday, you see the big reveal. You see the set. You feel it. You take it in. I hear a lot of wrestling fans complain about the seven-hour show. Guess what? Every UFC, every weekend is seven hours. Now, I know it's not, you know, wall-to-wall great fights, but I'm sitting there for seven hours, 43 weeks out of the year. I don't feel bad for wrestling fans who have to sit there for seven hours one Sunday night out of the year. So for me, you come back on the Sunday after a tremendous night one, and it kind of feels like we stuck around at the party a little too long. I like it the old way. I know they're making more money. They are not listening to me. They don't care about me. But the old way was perfect. NXT, Big Show Saturday, and then the granddaddy of them all on Sunday. I prefer that. You're not factoring in the little kids piece of it, though, and the 10-year-olds and the 11-year-olds and the 12-year-olds when they're there for seven hours. Yeah, I that guess. That part. I mean, I, so I think I think we're both right in a way because I really like the NXT thing, too, and I like the combo of those two events when the NXT was first. Right. I do think there's a way that they could tweak it so that the the first night is a little more of like showcasing the younger guns. Maybe you put one great match at the end. And then the second night is more of the extravaganza because it, it to me, it felt like Saturday was better than Sunday, which I'm not I don't know if that was by design or not. To a degree. Yes. I'll also add my kids younger than yours. They couldn't make it till the end of Saturday. And by Sunday, they were like, man, we saw it. I was like, you didn't see Pat McAfee. You didn't watch. Uh, they didn't even tune in on Sunday. And so what if you start, let's say, I don't know, at five on a Sunday? It doesn't have to start at mm -hmm. eight. Those kids, the 10-year-olds, my son, 10, eight, they can make it all the way till 10. And then you're getting yeah. your five hours there. You don't have to start at eight to go all the way till 1 a.m. or something like that. So again, 77,000, if that number is to be believed on both nights, is a tremendous number. That's 150 plus thousand. So far be it for me. And I saw it with my own eyes. It was packed. It was incredible. It was quite the scene. I'm just saying, coming back, it's like, imagine going to the Super Bowl on Saturday and then on Sunday, you're going to the national championship. It just feels like ah, right. I was just here. You, you know? burned out. Interesting. Yeah. What was the highlight? What was the best match? There's a couple of highlights for me. Obviously, seeing Stone Cold was huge. But you know what? I'll give you a different spin on it. Being you know, a Quebecois myself, a Montrealer, to see a guy like Kevin Owens from a mm. tiny, tiny place called Marieville, Quebec, headlining WrestleMania with, with Stone Cold, like being in that moment was pretty damn inspiring because uh, most people from where he's from don't get to that moment. I love that. I thought Logan Paul was incredible. I thought the spot, the three I, amigos. So did, were you expecting that? I, that was about as good of a celebrity performance as I think I've ever seen in a wrestling match. Expecting it to a degree because he's talented, he's young, he's athletic. I spoke to him no more than a month ago. And unless he's working me in this interview, he was completely clueless about the whole thing. He didn't know the date. He didn't know when it was happening. He didn't start training yet. He didn't have his outfit. He had nothing prepared. It looked like he just agreed to something and had no idea what it was. And then he shows up doing that. And then he does the classic heel spot of the three amigos. And then, you know, yeah. Mox, Eddie Guerrero was fantastic. And then on Sunday, I mean, I, I, I'm a huge McAfee fan. And I think that uh, what he continues to do was incredible. Like the athleticism, jumping. And then like McAfee basically lived every single one of our dreams. He went from a match at WrestleMania, calling matches at WrestleMania, wrestling in a match at WrestleMania, then beating someone at WrestleMania, then going up against Vince McMahon, 76 years old at WrestleMania, and then getting stunned buy Stone Cold and taking the beer bath. I mean, it was like the trifecta of all trifectas. So those the main event I thought was boring and predictable.
I agree on McAfee. I think what was interesting about Logan Paul and McAfee together is just like two good athletes, you know, like a lot of times, even Johnny Knoxville, like at least he knows how to take bumps and has a general feel for, you know, how to, how to sell something. But I think in the past when they've had the, uh, the people, the green people or the celebs or whoever, they're not like elite athletes, you know? And in this case, I, we had like Lawrence Taylor. And oh, that was bad. There was, you know, going way back, Mr. T, where you have like football player athletes, but, you know, a little older or whatever. I thought, to me, Logan Paul, from what I saw, like he could actually do this. He understood like the, how to kind of connect with the crowd, how to like evoke emotion for them, just like little things he was doing, like standing at the top rope and peering out. Like, honestly, you would... If you didn't know any better, you just would have thought he was a wrestler. So I, I was impressed. Fantastic. And uh, there are some reports online that part of the deal to come back, which I think is a fascinating window to who he is now, because I actually think he's a very likable guy and has grown a lot since that incident of a few years ago. There's reports mm. online that part of the deal was that he had to end up being a face. Because initially when I watched this, I was like, why are you turning him so quickly? He got all this heat. He's such a good bad guy. But right. he's very likable now. Like he's doing likable things. He's mature. He's not Jake Paul. He's not the bad boy. He doesn't have tattoos. He doesn't have the crazy haircut. So I think that's really interesting as well. The Cody Rhodes thing, by the way, was was obviously fun. It was great to see him back. I actually think if you can equate this to other sports, like I was equating this to MMA a couple of days ago, it's one of the most fascinating business stories of all time. Because here's a guy who was disgruntled, who was pretty much an afterthought. He leaves, he creates his own competition, own leverage that not only he is able to use and benefit from, other guys like Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, they benefit from. Now there's competition finally in the world of wrestling. First time in 20 years, there's leverage, there's momentum. And then he uses that same competition, that same leverage and momentum to come back and score a massive deal. Like imagine someone like in MMA, that would be like someone, you know, leaving the UFC, going to Bellator, creating a, you know, a competition and then coming back to the UFC. Rarely, if ever, has been done quite well like this. Uh, and I think it's it's a fascinating thing especially to see how they use him. Do they bury him? now? That, like, Do they bury the AEW guy or do they propel him? The next few months of his career, I think, are going to be incredible to watch. Well, I think they'll propel him. I mean, he's the right age, right? It's like when they got AJ Styles in. He's like, you know, 37 around there. And this is usually when the wrestlers, when they have like the peak of their powers kind of stuff. I'm with you. I thought rarely do they let the guy come back who didn't make it the first time. And if they do come back, when they have this huge W in this other place, it's, you know, you're kind of bringing that other place with you to some degree, the shadow of it at least. And, you know, they seem pretty open about it. I'm more fascinated why he left. I heard Shoemaker's interview with him right after. I heard your interview with him. And and it's like, it, it, there's a little bit of a, it's between me and Tony Khan, what happened. I mean, knowing nothing, it just seems like he was initially way more involved than maybe we ended up with Tony Khan because Tony Khan's like, you know, positioning himself as like the Vince McMahon figure, that whole thing. He pays for it. He makes the decisions. And I'm I just knowing nothing, reading the tea leaves, it seems like something separate on that. I heard the stuff he said about, look, I've wrestled everyone I could wrestle there. How many times can I put people over? It's like, I don't know, man. You you had a lot of skin in that game and now you're leaving? Didn't add up. I mean, 100%. It has nothing to do with the opponents. Let's be honest. We all know that. Um, he built something. No one wants to leave something that they built and then go over to the other guys to try to beat that thing unless something happened, right? No one just says, oh, you know, I've reached the top here because let's be honest, he didn't reach the top. He was never even champion there. He was TNT champ, but not the yep. actual AEW champion. 
I think one part of this story that people aren't talking about is I know who Nick Khan is. You know who Nick Khan is, right? And one thing about Nick is, you know, Nick, full disclosure, used to be my agent. I know him very well. He's now the president of WWE. And I don't think Nick likes the idea of being like the big bad wolf against the underdog. Because as you may know, Nick was always the underdog. Nick is the son of an immigrant, right? Nick is son of parents who had to come to America and make it and scratch and claw. He is a man who came from nothing. Tony Khan is the son of a billionaire. And so this was the first to me shot that way after they've taken several shots to be like, oh, we're going to take a little piece out of this foundation and see how this whole thing crumbles. I think that had a lot to do with it as well. I don't see a lot of wrestling media talk about this, but and maybe it's because they don't know Nick. And and I've never asked him this question for the record, but I just think like they were only going to take so many punches before they came back and threw a couple punches of their own. This to me was a big haymaker, WWE to AEW. They were missing one more really reliable kind of star too, I think. Like just a proven, almost like getting a QB that you know can go 12 and 5, 11 and 6, something like that. And also, I, so like, who's Roman going to wrestle? Right? Like he's ran out of guys. Know. Right. So this so could be a with guy. with the AW piece, it's almost a, in a weird way, a vindication for them that WWE went. I think they made a huge deal for him to bring him back. And from the WWE standpoint, the one thing they had to do with that WrestleMania was make it feel like they took some swings, that it wasn't just like, hey, here's Goldberg again. Even bringing Stone Cold back, who's 57, at least that was something, you know, that if you're going to play the nostalgia card, play it with somebody you haven't played it with 27 different times. So, you know, I still feel like, you know, from from a where they were with NXT four years ago with some of the guys they were developing and that pipeline they had to abandon that still makes no sense to me. Oh, I still God. don't understand it. I thought I really thought they had something with it and they just threw it away because it couldn't compete with AEW. I don't get it. That one I don't get. Uh, NXT is really, I mean, a bit of an afterthought. It was on Saturday, late morning, early afternoon. And you have to be a really hardcore fan to go to that show and then go to the you know night one show and then go to night two. Um, they've got this young guy named Braun Breaker. I still don't get this one. Braun Breaker, in case you don't know, is the son. Steiner, right? Rick Steiner, yeah. Yeah. How do you not call him Braun Steiner? Like, how do you not use that name? That's like calling Charlotte Flair Charlotte Smith. Like, the name <laughs> gets you over halfway. Why would you not use? It's one of the great names in the history of pro wrestling. And they call him Braun Breaker. It sounds like some sort of like science lab or something like that. I, I don't get that. And uh, it feels like they've gone a little bit away from trying to get the indie guys. You know, the Nakamuras, all these dudes were known in the world of pro wrestling. Now they're trying to go for the blue chip athlete. Gable Stevenson might be someone that they're really into. They really tried to push him. Did you see how many times they mentioned him? They did. Him? Multiple yeah, times. Yeah, then he had his big, he tried to look like a little bit evil. I don't know if he pulled it off. Seemed like a nice guy trying to- He's a very like he nice, he's mean. a sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm sure, you know, we, we've seen a lot of guys in that situation and four years later. The Miz is a good example. The Miz watching him on the real world and being like, oh, that guy, oh, it's so adorable. He wants to be. Now you watch him. That guy knows how to work like a 80,000 seat stadium. So He's amazing. I'm never ruling anyone out. It's fun to have two things going head to head. So I'm in a weird spot. You'll appreciate this. Okay. My son's like 14. He's out. He doesn't care anymore. Totally out. I remember him doing the moves and everything. I know he's out, but I don't feel like he's gone. It's just like, you know, there's girls and high school's coming and he's, it's just, 
So I think he comes back like five years from now is I think how it plays so, like, out. But I think he, I've lost him. Nothing this weekend? No watching? Didn't want to go. I, I was like, you want to go? He's like, nah. Wow. Did he watch it? Yeah. He watched some of it. He was impressed by Logan Paul. Bianca Belair is probably his favorite of uh, That's all the newer wrestlers. The pony, I mean, the ponytail gimmick, and she's a great performer too. I would say that match with her and Becky Lynch had to be one of the best women's matches they've had. It was really, oh, yeah. the crowd was really into it too. One of the best matches of the entire weekend, if you ask me. Becky's incredible. Yeah. I, I miss the man, but you know she's done a great job with this this new look, new gimmick. I'm just really interested in the fact that a 14-year-old boy would admit to, you know, because like my kids are 10 and 8, they close their eyes when the women come on. They're still at that age. Um, yeah. they, they feel uncomfortable. So that's really interesting. And I think that what is happening is there's just a lot, like there's a lot of WWE, there's a lot of wrestling on TV. So people have to pick and choose. And sometimes too much of a good thing isn't necessarily a good thing. What I, Where I thought you were going was, you know, like it feels like WWE is great for the kids right now and AEW is great for you know, the nineties kids, the hardcores, yeah. right. Um, and so it's really interesting to see what they do over the next few months. Like they got Cody, what are they going to do with him? Um, obviously, you know, the, the buildup to WrestleMania is always interesting, but now you don't have that anymore. So you have the after effect. Stone Cold's not around. You don't have these great storylines. So I think the next few months are going to be super interesting. And, and also I'd like to see them. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I, I'd love to ask you this to me. Ronda Rousey is like change the channel heat. I, like, I don't get it. I don't think it's working. That place it's was dead. It's never with, worked ever. Yeah. Right? It's never worked once. Enough already. She doesn't seem happy to be there. She seems like she's no. actually like mad that she's there. And the crowd was not reacting to her at all. Like that, that match was pretty dead. And it wasn't because of Charlotte, in my opinion. Um, so they keep pushing her. And I think that that's a bit of a mistake. But I think they're paying her a lot. You could, could you see her coming back ever to MMA or no? No. <laughs> no way. That uh, ship sailed? That ship has sailed big time. Um, those two losses really, really affected her. Actually, honestly, the first loss affected her. She was never the same yeah. afterwards. And she really just turned on the entire sport. The buildup to the second fight against Amanda Nunes after the Holly Holm fight um, was one of the strangest things. She didn't do a single piece of media. Only time ever that the UFC excused someone, including like Connor and his bad boy Prime from going to any media beforehand showed up at the press conference, ran up to the, the scale, ran away. It was, it was like that thing just haunted her. And then when she showed up to the fight, she was a shell of her former self. She leaves. Uh, Juliana Pena, who's the bantamweight champion of the UFC, cut a promo on her earlier this week and said, like, she's a disgrace and she's a seller. I just think she just didn't love it anymore. And, and that loss affected her greatly. So no, she just had a baby. I don't know how much she even does this period. Like, I, it just doesn't seem to me like she's very happy doing all of this. Yeah, there's three times probably in my lifetime where the where the big bad guy, or in her case, the big bad girl, where they unexpectedly lost, the bully got taken, and they like really went in a crazy tailspin. The first one was Foreman, hmm. right? After Ali beat him, and within two years, he's just out of boxing completely. Tyson in Japan, mm -hmm. and then Rousey. Each time, it was like the shocking upset of the bully goes down, and then they and it was almost like they lost their identity at the same time these invincible people that we just never expected would ever lose. It was interesting because if you recall, Rhonda and Connor lost around the same time. Rhonda lost November of 2015. Connor lost uh, March of 2016. And I'll never forget, like no one has ever, and, and the internet was brutal towards Connor, especially because they love Diaz so much. He could have 
I mean, let that thing affect him, break him, yeah. all that stuff. No one has ever dealt with a loss and fighting better than he did that night. Showed up, put on his fancy suit, answered every single question, said, I'll be back, no problem. And then he, of course, he comes back and he wins and he's more popular than ever. He fights at MSG, he fights Mayweather. So it's just really like, I don't think people actually think less of you when you lose. It's how you deal with the losses. And we've seen this time and again, you know, I've talked to you about this. There's some of the greatest, most popular fighters in MMA history that have 10 losses on their record. And she never quite got that. I think she thought she had to be undefeated to be the superstar. And, and really, they, they love you even more if you lose, stumble, deal with it like a pro and come back and, and triumph again. And for some reason, she couldn't get over that. Well, the guy in UFC now, Hamzat, feels like he has the invincibility thing. If you go and, you know, there's all kinds of best of videos of him that you could just watch. You could get the general feel in five minutes. But he carries himself in that really unique way where when you're watching, you're like, how does any, how's anyone going to beat this guy? But at the same time, you know, you got to put the body at work that like, I, I, how much of this is real and how much of this do you feel like he just hasn't fought a dangerous guy yet? So yes, he hasn't fought a top 10 guy. The guy he's fighting on Saturday is Gilbert Burns. Um, incredible fight, fascinating fight for many reasons. But Hamzat is legit. There's no doubt about it. This guy is so strong. I was talking to someone who trains with him, Alexander Gustafson, former title contender. He tells me that sometimes he does five-a-days. Five-a-days. Not two-a-days, three-a-days. He does five-a-days. The guy is just a machine. He had COVID really bad, and there was a period there where he was retiring. Already, he didn't know if he'd get over it. He got over it. So that was a little bit scary because he could have been the greatest like what-if in MMA history. But he came back in October mm. after a 13-month layoff and just steamrolled his opponent, takes him down, beats him up, chokes him out. By the way, could win at 85 and 70 as well, which is somewhat rare because there's that 15-pound gap. And now yeah. he's fighting Gilbert Burns, who is a whiz on the ground. So the question is, Hamzat's wrestling is his power. What happens when he takes Gilbert on the ground? Will Gilbert's grappling be able to negate the wrestling? I think Hamzat's striking is better than Gilbert. Here's the thing. No one wants to fight Hamzat, and rightfully so. Gilbert Burns deserves a lot of credit. I think he's ranked two or three. And he said, yeah, I'll fight this guy. I don't think he ultimately wins, but man, I, I give him a ton of props for doing this. His one hope is it's Mayweather Canelo. Mayweather yeah. caught Canelo on the way up, right? Just before he reached where he's at right now, I think Gilbert is hoping that he's catching him on the way up and then he could say, hey, I beat Hamza before he became Hamza. I think it might be too late for that. I think Hamza is here already. Well, Gilbert, he already lost his title shot, right? So this is his one chance to kind of pull himself back into the conversation. But the Hamza thing, like, I just don't know what he's missing. Like, he even does the thing where he picks the guy up and carries him to, to closer to his corner so he can, I guess, get advice from he's a badass. his corner. How many people in the history of, of UFC have just like been like, I'm going to pick you up. I'd rather we did this over here and just did it. Over and over again. Famous fight. I think it was UFC 46 off the top of my head. Frank Trigg against Matt Hughes. Uh, Frank Trigg is beating up Matt Hughes and then he's like, enough is enough. And he literally, Matt Hughes, you know, the farm boy with that farm strength, yeah. country boy strength, takes him to the other side of the cage and just slams him. It's one of the most iconic moments. And uh, <laughs> Hamza recreated that recently as well. No, the, yeah. the guy is incredible. And uh, by the way, Kamar Usman, who's the welterweight champion of the UFC, probably has to go 
and and get by Leon Edwards, who's next. But there's a reason why Kamaru Usman, in my opinion, has been banging the drum to fight Canelo, and it's not going to happen. Canelo has no reason to take this fight. I think it's because no one wants to fight this guy. I I, I think everyone is well aware of how good he is and feels like it's inevitable um, that he is going to fight for the belt soon and and maybe be the champion. And Usman, by the way, undefeated UFC, pound for pound number one. Everyone is looking back and being like, golly, Gilbert, can you just do us a favor and take this guy out to, to slow this down? Because if he gets by Gilbert, it's one more fight and then title shot. If not, title shot next. How many nobody wants to fight this guy guys that we had over like the last 20 years? Because in boxing, you can count them on like two hands. I mean, there's been a few. Habib, obviously, at the top of the list. Um, yeah. You know, Hamzat from Chechnya, Khabib from Dagestan. Khabib's protege, Islam Makhachev, is the next guy like that that no one wants to fight. Um, and so there have been a few, but there's always been like, you know, Izzy has been great at 85, but then, you know, he moved up and the aura went away just a bit. But at 85, he's great. There's been a few, but like Hamzat is at the top. He had an incredible stretch where he won two fights in the span of 10 days on Fight Island. And uh, then he comes back and he fights in a different weight class. Like the guy, and and he's got this sort of, he's kind of like an evil version of Habib. Habib had this sort of triple G-like charm with his trash talk. You know, like I will yeah. smash you, all this stuff. Hamza speaks like that, but he's a little more evil when he speaks. And he's got that, like, yeah. there's just something about his tone that's just a little, like he, he talks about like smashing you and eating you. And you're like, yeah, I kind of can see it happening. Like I sort of believe this guy. Um, he's got that aura. He's got everything about him. I, I love this fight. Like this was one of those fights where I was like, is this really going to happen? Is this really going to happen? And they only announced it a few weeks ago. This to me is the people's main event on this card. It is the fight that I'm most looking forward to. So he's like a five to one favorite, something like that. Yeah, he's a big yeah, favorite. So Burns was like plus 370. Um, and then we have the the Peter Yan thing, which I had, that was a pandemic fight. I actually watched that one when I, I you just rarely see this, especially in a big fight with the, he, just complete cheap shot knee when the guys was kneeling Sterling and the knee was down. You never see the guy just unleash the knee in that situation for whatever reason he did. And that was it. He lost. So that's turned a big thing and they have a huge feud. How much of it is real and how much of it is just they're using this because of the way the last fight ended? Oh, no, no, no. This is very real. These two guys have been talking about each other for almost two years now because Sterling won a fight, a big time fight in June of 2020. And then Jan won his fight in July of 2020. And then after that, they're like, all right, you guys are fighting each other. And then that fight got postponed in December. And then you get the March of 2021 fight. So, I mean, basically since July of 2020, they've been talking about each other. So they get to March of 2021 and Jan won that. I mean, he was winning. This happened yeah, that, in the fourth that fight round. was done. It was the announcers, done. I remember, weren't they talking about like, how long can this go? Yeah, yeah. How long yeah. do they, are they going to stop this? Like it, it was starting to hit that kind of level. Never in doubt for a moment, total brain fart on his part. Like some said he didn't understand what the ref was telling him. It doesn't really matter. The guy was down. It was very clear. Where it got a little funky was, we have seen this before where the champion is up big, brain farts, and hits the opponent illegally. He's down and he knees him on the ground. We saw it a couple of years ago with John Jones and Anthony Smith. Now, yeah. Anthony Smith was rocked. And this was, if memory serves me correct, fourth or fifth round. He was done. I mean, it was inevitable at that point. Anthony Smith, being the gangster that he is, said, no, I'll keep going. He could have said, I'm done and won the belt and taken it away from John Jones. You get the rematch, you get the money. He didn't. 
And I told him, and I love Anthony Smith. I spoke to him earlier today. And I've told him this a million times. I wish you just would have taken it. You had every right to take it. You got blasted illegally, but he believes in the warrior code and you don't win that way. And this and that, like, yo, you got blasted clean illegally. It's not on you, it's on him. He didn't take it. Well, we see it with Aljo here, Aljamain Sterling. And he said he couldn't continue. The problem is no one believed him. Everyone mm. thought he was laying down. Everyone said, look, Anthony did it. You should have done it. You should have kept going. And so everyone's been calling him a paper champion since. And he's, you know, he's lost a lot of fans. And the thing is, and I got into it with him with this and he got mad at me. He, he leaned into it the wrong way. He tried to be the heel and rub it in people's faces, but he didn't do it in like the right kind of way. He was taking pictures with the belt when he said he wasn't taking the pictures. It's just like, it was a little clunky. So I think a lot of the fans just want Jan to dispose of Aljo and get rid of him, but they are forgetting, like he's a big favorite Jan and rightfully so because of how that first fight went. Aljamain Sterling is not a scrub. Like he is really, really good. He's a very good fighter. I just think if you look at the first fight and try to think if it's going to go down the same, um, yeah, there's a reason why he's that big of a favorite. But this is 100% real. These guys really, truly despise each other. So what's the third fight? Third fight is the main event. And by the way, biggest underdog ever in a uh, in a UFC men's featherweight title fight, the Korean zombie, Chan Sung Jung. No one giving great, him a great, chance. Unbelievable nickname. Korean zombie, it's got to be top 10. Not only top 10, the greatest shirt, and I, I wish I was wearing it, the greatest shirt in MMA history. It's like this cartoon picture of a zombie before, you know, when they were allowed to wear shirts before they did this stupid uniform deal. Uh, that right. we've talked about in the past. Also walks out to Zombie by the Cranberries, which is tremendous, right? Um, he's I amazing. mean, how could you not at that point? If you're the Korean zombie, how many zombie songs are there? He's he's so <laughs> likable. You got to do it. But his opponent, Alexander Volkanovsky, is a total stud, former rugby player, once weighed 211 mm. pounds, is now fighting at 145, undefeated in the UFC, had an incredible fight. I don't know if you saw back in September against Brian Ortega, where Ortega was choking him, and somehow he got out in the third round. Um, he's a massive, massive underdog zombie. And, you know, Volkanovsky, you know, rightfully so, is, is the man, but holy smokes. Like, last I checked, I think he was like a plus 800 or something like that, which seemed a little he's- big. What is it? Minus 800. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. Peter minus... Jan is, Peter Jan's minus 500. What's Volkanovsky? Volkanovsky's uh, minus 800. And and what's, uh, and what's uh, Zombie? And, uh, zombie. Chan Sung Jung? Plus, plus 520. Yeah, what the heck? I mean, look, uh, money line, Volkanovsky's the pick, but I just feel like it's a little too big. He's got Hamzat's, power. Hamzat's minus 520. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, that's that's a really interesting one because Gilbert is really, really good. And he's by far the best guy that he's ever fought. Again, to me, this is Canelo Floyd in that we all know that Hamza is going to be one of the all-time best if he could stay healthy. Yeah. Is he just catching him before he, you know, is one of those guys who's fighting the top guys for, you know, five, six years? It feels like Hamza could be the guy potentially because there's been other good ones that they've tried to annoy and they've all been missing like, one tiny thing. I really feel like since McGregor, and I know like people say, well, what about Nganu? Like, Israel? Missing like that. I, I, I'm just talking total package where you could also have the people who are like, I fucking hate that guy. I uh, can't wait till he, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. you have the people who are like, this guy's a badass. This is my guy. And then you have the other people like, that guy's arrogant. I don't like, he went too far. Like, I, I feel like he could provoke conversation in a slightly different way. 100%. You know what I mean? Also, um, 
and and this might be getting down a whole other you know rabbit hole, but he's Chechnyan. He's very good friends with uh you know their 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 leader Ramzan Kadyrov, oh. who's a very controversial figure, who's a big MMA fan. This opens up a whole like if the mainstream media ever I mean, and we're talking about it here, but like if people dig into it, like it could open up a whole other can of worms. So to your point, that could bring some heat, you know, old school Nikolai Volkov style. If we want to equate this back to pro wrestling, but um, no, he he is amazing, and he's uh, I mean, right now he looks I like the stats on the amount of punches that he has absorbed in three fights is absurd. It's like five in three fights. Like that's how many times people touch him. It's the craziest thing. No one can touch this guy. He goes in, he goes out. And what I think is really interesting, he fights at 170 and 85. And like style-wise, matchup-wise, him versus uh, Israel, Adesanya, is not a great matchup for Izzy because Izzy's the striker. You know what I mean? So like if he could win this title... And then say, all right, now I'm going to go up to 85, which I think the UFC would be down to do. Uh, and is he still the champ? Man, then you're talking real superstar status. The fun thing about, like, he has that fuck around ability. Like, Luca's in that zone right now. We were talking about it on a basketball podcast a few days ago. And the guy, when the guy's just at peak command, and they start kind of messing around a little bit. Like, he'll do the thing where he'll try to catch somebody to throw a kick and he'll just try to catch it to see what happens. Or, He'll throw a punch and then come under and try to tackle the guy right after the punch. And he's he's like putting combinations together that I don't normally remember seeing. It reminds MMA me a lot of he... Julius Randle this year. <laughs> How you feeling? <laughs> How you feeling? Tough Knicks season. Can I just tell you something? You're just in sports hell between the Knicks and the in 13 seconds. God. Well, they changed the rule, but it's like, who cares? Too late. Um may- and this is a strong statement, I know. Maybe the most depressing Knicks season of the last 20 years. And I know this is a strong season, if only because it ended so promising, right? Like, okay, we lost in the first round, but fourth seed, it was like the most feel-good season. You could make a case that Julius Randle was the most beloved New York athlete last year. I can make a very mm. strong case of that, right? Like this guy, you know, uh, we're here, all that stuff. New York's back, blah, blah, blah. And this year has just been one big wet fart. I mean, it has been, ugh. Like, the Kemba thing was a disaster. I don't know what the hell happened to Tibbs. You know, he's not playing the young guys. RJ was fine. Julius has been the biggest disaster. And really, like, great year for Derrick Rose. What's the difference between this year and last year? Derrick Rose wasn't playing. And 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 he came last year and changed everything. So, what a disappointment. And I, by the way, I hate the playing. The playing sucks. Uh, come on. Wow. What do you not like about the play-in? Why? What are we talking about? The Spurs and the Pelicans are like 34 and 49. They should not be in the conversation. This is crazy to me. The Lakers shouldn't be in the conversation. Like, it was working. Was there anyone ever saying that, oh, you know, by the way, I always love the 9-8 matchup towards the end. Like, you're okay, who's going to get it? It was usually like, all right, the East-West, it was usually kind of done by the end. Eight was set. Mm. East kind of had a couple guys in play, a couple teams in play. Was there anyone ever saying, I want more? Or like, oh, this team, like, no, it, it was, it was perfect. It was eight. It I'm was pro. I, I'm pro for two reasons. I think they, I think it has really helped the tanking situation. I think you have teams that would have thrown in the towel and just given up with six weeks to go that now don't do that. The Spurs are a great example. Um, you even like the Knicks, I think would have thrown in the towel a little bit sooner if they didn't feel like they had a chance at like to get the 10 seed. So it has helped with the tanking. Then the other thing they did was that they made all the odds even for the bottom four teams, basically. 
I just feel like it's more competitive down the stretch now. I really do think it's made a difference. So now you have a couple teams that are just like, Orlando's like, we're good, we're done. You know, and the Knicks even are like, all right, we'll start playing the young guys a little bit now. But for the most part, I think the thing that, that I, I agree with you on the 34 and 49 and stuff like that. I just think it should be, if you can't, can't get to like 37 wins, you're not eligible. Like you, if it's... But then what if there's only nine teams? That's fine. We just, we skip a playing game. We just, we, so uh, then nine we have, eight. we have horse, whatever, but you have to get to at least 37 and 45 to be able to, it's just weird. My fix it, to me. It's, and look, I think it's kind of cool that the Pelicans are going to play a playoff game and God bless the Zion thing is weird, but I get it. I get it for those markets. But to me, it's just kind of embarrassing. Like this is not good for the league. The same way adding the extra team to the NFL playoffs, I don't think is ultimately good. Just feels like you're, mm. we're, you know, I, well, you I'm, know, I like it. It's more gambling. I, I, I enjoy that part. I'm, I'm also very salty because, uh, you know, like I grew up a Montreal Expos fan. All I wanted to do was ever see them in the playoffs once. And now like every team makes it to the playoffs. I couldn't, <laughs> right. I, I couldn't get to see them one playoff game in their existence. 1981 was their only playoff series. And I wasn't born. I was born in 82. And I'm like, geez, Louise, now everyone makes the play- Bills didn't make the playoffs for 17 years. And now everyone's mm. making the playoffs. doesn't feel like it's the same. The payoff isn't as great. Before we go, give us your state of mind with the Bills. It's been three months. You have new quarterbacks in the conference now. Matt Ryan's there now. Deshaun yeah. Watson, Russell Wilson. Uh, the Chiefs are a little bit worse, but uh, you you come so close. You flew so close to the sun. You flew right by it. You know what? Now you're the favorites again. I mean, I guess that's good. The Bills are the favorites to win the Super Bowl. But uh, what's the state of mind of the fan base? Is it? Because I remember when this happened to 2003 Red Sox, it was really rock bottom emotionally, mentally, like really feeling like, should I do this to my kids? Should I pass this team down? Like you go to dark places. Like So what was that couple weeks like after? First of all, what a great promo I had on the show leading into that game. I thought it was one of the all-time best promos and I felt like I really galvanized the fan base. Um, very few times in my life has a loss hurt me so much. Honestly, I couldn't move from my couch. My my middle son was watching with me. He went to bed. He came back in the fourth. He snuck down. I said, I'm not going to tell mom. Sit here and watch this with me. And when they scored that touchdown with 13 left, I was openly crying and I hugged them. And I'm going to get emotional now again. And I was like, they are finally going to do it because I swear to God, Bill, I know this for a fact. They win that game. They are winning the Super Bowl. No one I can agree. tell me otherwise. And it just hurts so bad. Um, and that game hurt me. Like I watched the highlights afterwards and I remember watching them. I was in St. Louis for the Royal Rumble that following weekend. I sat and watched the highlights when they played like the NFL films behind the scenes stuff. And it hurt me like someone kicked me in the stomach, (laughs) but I can't tell you this enough. I have never believed in an athlete on my team more than I believe in that guy, Josh Allen. I believe in that guy. Like I, I, Mm. you know, you know who my favorite athlete is of all time. I don't know if we ever talked about this. And I've always, you know, disagreed with you on this one. It's Patrick Ewing. You have your Ewing theory. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a, it's, it's a very famous theory. And I didn't agree with it because I was blinded by the fact, like I will go, you know, to, to, to my grave thinking that, you know, if he had another guy on his team, blah, blah, blah. I don't think many people can argue with me on Josh Allen. There is no Josh Allen theory. He makes everyone better. And I really, truly believe that this will make him better. I don't. I felt last year going into the season they were too cocky. They believed in their own, you know, shit a little too much. It was. It was. You know, they got punched in the mouth week one against Pittsburgh. I don't think that's the case. I looked. I. I, I consumed every single piece of media that he did 
Super Bowl media row. And it told me that this guy was hurt still, that he was mad. He didn't want to be there. He was doing a sponsor thing. And then what happens in the offseason? Von Miller. Von Miller doesn't come to Buffalo. The Von Millers of the world don't come to Buffalo, right? Tremendous deal. Brandon Bean, give him the Executive of the Year award now. Tremendous deal. They've signed a couple other guys. Like it very much. Also, the draft, I think, is going to be good. I'm a little worried about running back. I don't love the running back situation. All to say, I could sit here for hours and talk about it. I truly believe that this is going to be the year. And I love the fact that Tommy came back. Please give me Tommy in the Super Bowl once and for all so we can freaking lay the smack down on his candy old ass and be done with him. <laughs> Enough of this. I mean, one of the old, please, come on. You have to admit, it's one of the most disgraceful things you've ever seen, the way he's behaved this offseason. He does the, the retirement. He doesn't give a shout out to the Patriots. If I were a Patriots fan, I would burn his jersey. The way he held... He does the quote RT. Oh, thanks, guys. That's it. Doesn't even give a shot. Then he comes back. Enough. He's an egomaniac. I'm tired of him. Give me the the Bucks in the Super Bowl. Bills Bucks in February. Exercise the demons. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. I can't refute the Brady point. Disgusting. But here, here's you know the guy won me six Super Bowls, and I, I, you know, I he turned his back the on guy. you guys. Eh, it was time for him to go. Um, Doesn't even thank you. I, Puts out a six-page. Well, he thanked us two years ago. What did he thank you when he left? When he retired, he should have. Because I don't you think he was retiring. I think there was like some zodiac shit going on with that letter, where it's like if you read it carefully, it's like I'm retiring, but not really. You guys I'm are like sworn lovers, Tampa. convincing yourself that he didn't really just spit no, in your face. This is the. This will be my saddest Brady defense. I just don't think he has people around him that he listens to anymore, because. The part that never made sense is why are you retiring when you're retiring? Why not say I'm going to take a month and think about this? Like if you were on the fence or you might change your mind, what was the point of retiring and then coming back 40 days later? Why retire in the first place? Why not just say, I'm going to wait till we get to March before I decide. He just kind of was like flying by the seat of his pants. Pretty big decision. And, and he's done so much. LeBron has hit this point too, where they can kind of do anything and there's no real backlash to it. You know, LeBron's been all over the place. He went to All-Star Weekend and he's talking about Sam Presti and he's talking about, would I come back to Cleveland? It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, it was weird. And I just think like these guys hit a point where they become so famous and they were so successful and they're so, you know, they, they have no peers, basically. They have three people they can even look at that they have something in common with. And at some point, I just think you lose perspective. So I looked at the Brady thing and it was like, Man, there's not one person in his life that could have been like, hey, Tom, let's take a month. Right. You don't have to announce you're retiring now. Like you're not even, you're not even going to get like the PR pop out of it. There's a million things going on. Wait till the perfect day and we'll own the day. We'll get the message out. It's just, everything about it was sloppy. Even the comeback, he, never he used did to it be on sloppy. a Sunday night. He did it on a right. Sunday night during the selection Sunday. Right. The comeback. And he, and he Wait till like a Monday morning. Yeah, I just, it's all of it's sloppy. So that's like my my repeated t- look at takeaway of this. is just like, this all seems really like a guy who doesn't really know what he wants. Could I ask you, you though? Know? Like, okay, yeah. I'm biased. What do you think of my bills take? Like, do you think this is it? Are we finally getting it done? I don't like that you're the favorites. It's that, that never usually works. But I think you have the best team and I thought you had the best team last year. And usually NFL, it's three or four year cycles, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like you have a chance year after year for three years, four years, five years. So you're in the mix with that. I, you know, I, with the Brady thing, and I think LeBron's going to be like this too, and we can leave on this. Um, 
because you see it with MMA, you see it with boxing, two sports that we love, and you even see it with wrestling. Mm -hmm. I think it's just really hard for these guys to walk away. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I think I was just going to make that comparison to an old school wrestler who, Hogan, right? How many times did Hogan come back? They want to hear that music, they want that pop. And I think part of that, that's why I called him an egomaniac. Tom Brady's an egomaniac. Clip that off. He's self centered. He's a cheater, by the way. I mean, there's no, he's not. He's not. He was completely absolved of, the, of that. He completely absolved. And and not only that, but they destroyed all the all their their big evidence after the fact. Yes. No, but like, I think, I think football quarterbacks and basketball stars, boxing, MMA. I think there's some sort of similarity with all four. Like, how many boxers did we love that had to get the shit kicked out of them the extra two times before they finally left? Right. Some of them would probably still be fighting if they could even get licensed. And I, MMA said the same thing. These guys, it's fucking sad. These guys, some of the stars from the 2000s, Tito Ortiz is like still fighting. Yep. That's why, by the way, I say the greatest of all time is my fellow Canadian, George St. Pierre, who went out as welterweight champion, took a four-year break, comes back, sees that Michael Bisping is the middleweight champion, goes up to middleweight, wins that belt at MSG, and then says, peace, I'm out of here. Leaves on top mm. twice. That's it. The Jim Brown. Yeah, yeah. Like with, Jim Brown was another one. He left on top. How many guys do that in the in the history? Like um, Vitaly Klitschko, he was up there. He wasn't quite as famous as uh, as uh, as George uh, Lennox Lewis did it. Lennox Lewis, you know. I mean, a, you could technically say Floyd did it because he hit a point where he's like, "I'm just not going to get punched. I'll keep Floyd taking these it. fights, but it'll never be anybody that actually has a chance to hurt me." No, I'll give him credit. Floyd did it 100. If you if you're not giving him that credit you're being a hater, but more often than not, no one does it. Um, and Brady, by the way, I mean, he lost in a playoff game, you know, no one would have battered an eye. I wonder how much that report of him retiring played into it. Like, did he want to, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, did he feel the pressure that he had to do something? The whole thing was bizarre. The point is, give me Tom, give me anyone, give me Aaron. I'd love to see Aaron Rodgers in the in the Super Bowl. I just believe in, in Josh so bad. And I've seen enough times where, I mean, just look at what happened with Mahomes and, and the Patriots, right? Right. Where you get stabbed in the heart, you crumble. And I know we all thought last year's Chiefs game, like two years ago now, two seasons ago game, was going to be the game that gets them over the hump. This year, I think and I hope they they remember that losses to the Jaguars, those bad losses, Steelers, they come back to haunt you because we would have been at home for that Chiefs right. game. You got to win those games, make it count. And then in January, February, do your business. Then, man, I just want one, Bill. That's it. I just want one. Look at me. Knicks fan, I'm pathetic. My baseball team doesn't exist. My basketball team is a joke. I, my, my football team is on the cusp. Just give me one damn championship. That's all I want. Yeah, losing the baseball team is probably the biggest L out of all of that. Thank God for Vladdy Jr., though, because I'm now allowed to. Yeah, you could. Yeah, it's true. You can. Oh, yeah. You can just latch on to him. No, Blue yeah, on my right. squad. I, I grew up watching his dad, of course, on the Expos. But yeah. It'll never be the same. I love the Blue Jays. Blue Jays are tremendous. We're going to win the AL East. I hope you know this. Um, and I say we. I'm aware. Yeah. But no, I'm uh, aware. You're the just, favorites. It's tough. It's tough. All right. Ariel, we look forward to hearing you on uh, Green Room. Yes. On Friday, on like, Saturday. We also can I give the plug? spin those off onto the Ringer MMA. Keep going. Keep yeah, going. I'm going to give the plug, the full plug. Friday do the plug. morning. Do the full. Here it is. Do the Saturday morning WWF yes. 1981 plug. Well, you know something, mean Gene, brother. Um, <laughs> Saturday morning, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. And I got to give a shout out to the Europeans for my guy, Pizzi. 2 p.m. GMT. Uh, we'll be live on Spotify Greenroom. Best community, best group of people. 
They come in, we watch the weigh-ins together. The weigh-ins are live at 9 a.m. So we see how everyone looks. As you know, from a betting perspective, like that's when you make your pick, right? You want to see who makes weight, who yeah. doesn't make weight, who's sunken in, hydrated, dehydrated, blah, blah, blah. So we'll be on for two hours. We'll take calls, all that stuff. Then immediately after that live show, I always remind people, the show goes up on our feed on Spotify, Ringer MMA show, go check it out. You were worried we weren't going to do a lot. We're about to hit our quota in a couple of weeks, but I don't know if you've seen, we've done almost 50 shows. We're, we're, we're well, you're a competitive guy. I want to kill everyone. Um, well, you like, you like the community though. You love the people. That love guy. The I think community. you've enjoyed this even more than you expected. Honestly, if I'm being honest with you, 1000% got people calling in from India, Israel, England, Ireland. It's just, it's amazing. Mm. Nothing like it. There's no like post game shows, pre game shows on the radio. This is the closest thing to it. And then immediately following the main event and the post fight shows are the best. You even called in back in January after I Ngannou. did. I might call in after this one. I'll Let's get go. in the one Saturday night. Okay. Yeah. I might, you might, you might have a bill from LA call. Everyone loves that. Uh, immediately. Like the second the post fight interview is over, jump on green room. We take calls. We react myself, Chuck Mendenhall, PT Carroll, producer Troy. Uh, and it's the best. I think we had like 15,000 people in January. It's always mm. the biggest crowd. It's always the best takes. And there's nothing like it. Like the UFC does a post-fight show. No one watches it anymore because we're in existence. Ringer MMA show, Three Puck, Spotify Green Room. We're killing And we got some big plans for late. We're going to have a little meetup in New York, by the way. Anyone who's in New York, April 30th for the uh, Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano boxing match. First ever female fight to headline a boxing show at MSG. It's historic. Jake Paul promoting. Mm. We're going to do a meetup the night before with those people that you talked about, the community. And then we're hoping to do wow. it in July as well. It's become great. It's like a family. I love it. I, I look forward to these genuinely. Awesome. Well, it's been awesome working with you. I will, uh, I will I'm sure text you after that fight. Maybe I'll pop on. If Please. It's a, if it's a good post-fight show. But uh, good to see you as always. Thank you. All right. Thanks to Nathan and House. Thanks to Ariel Hawani. Thanks to FanDuel for uh, bringing us to Georgia, to Augusta. We will be on the course tomorrow, par three. Looking forward to it. And uh, don't forget about the rewatchables. Die Hard too. if you missed that one. Back on this feed on Thursday, I am going to be on Fairway Rolling with House and Nathan on Wednesday night talking about our experience going to the par three, last minute master's bets, and a whole bunch more. And that's it. See you on that podcast on Wednesday and this podcast on Thursday. <laughs>